lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates, hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and I could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, welcome everybody to episode number 155 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, September the 24th, 2022. My name is Jeremy Lee. I want to thank Jeff Hart, who joined us last time for a great collector-centric episode. He's got an amazing collection. Check out that episode on the Sports Cards Live YouTube channel. I also want to thank Adam Gray and Phil Orlando, also known as Filmington, for joining me for the PWCC Premier Auction last week. Thursday, a couple nights ago. That was a great episode. Thanks to those guys. Also want to let everybody know that I will be at the Beckett Industry Summit next weekend. So it is up in the air for Saturday show, but I will do my best. I would like to shout out the Center Stage app. Download the app in the App Store for quick comps, whether you are pricing your cards or browsing at a card show. The app is constantly improving. Join me in, in supporting these hobbypreneurs as they strive to make the hobby even better than it already is. I also want to shout out Tag Grading. We will be set up at the Industry Summit, the Beckett Industry Summit from September 30th until October the 5th. And we will also be set up at the Union Marketplace Show in San Diego's Del Mar, October 14th to 16th. There will be over 400 tables there, over 68,000 square feet. I'm looking forward to that show as well. Thank you to all you viewers, subscribers, podcast listeners. If you're not yet subscribed, please take a moment and do so. And as always tonight, your questions, your comments are in play. So don't be shy. Let's see what you got. Tonight's guest got his start in the hobby. He was injured playing football and spent time collating sets of 86 tops baseball. He's gone on to bigger and better things as the co-host of one of the hobby's most popular podcasts, Lucas Tigers and Bronze, Oh My. His favorite players are Ken Griffey Jr., Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Bo Jackson, Mario Lemieux, and his favorite teams are the Raiders, Yankees. The Raiders and the Yankees from Brooklyn, New York, currently hailing from Long Island, New York. Let's bring him out. Cage lawyer as you go by. Welcome to Sports Cards Live, buddy. How are you? That's great, man. I feel like I'm in the WWE. I That's feel like I, I got to go up the top turnbuckle now and like, you know, throw throw a flying elbow or something. It's nice. That's a good intro. I'm glad you like it. I'm I mean, I like the like music. It. I'm dancing. I got like, it's, <laughs> it's nice. I like it, man. Right. You do this on. every well, Saturday. Well, listen, what what I don't, what, <laughs> listen, you guys, you guys at Lucas Tigers and Ron, yourself and Andrew Goldberg, your partner, you guys have an amazing production and you've got a great logo with some cartoons and I've got, <laughs> I've got a neon sign that says Sports Cards Live. That's got it. The tiger. We got the tiger. We got all kinds of good stuff. Oh yeah, it's. Good. I mean, listen, I love it. This is all. This is my daughter right here. My daughter designed that. And the we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get yeah. into that because there's some cool stuff. I have some. I had some questions for you that I bet a Shoot. lot of people would want to know. We will. We will get to some of that. Uh, to let everybody know, you notice again if you if you joined me and Adam and Phil on Thursday, different background. I am on a family vacation. I am streaming live from the basement of my 950 square foot house. It's an Airbnb that we're in with my family. But uh, hey, I couldn't couldn't pass up the opportunity to get Cage on the show. So it's it's great to have you. And uh, and that's why we have a different background here tonight on Sports Cards Live. Cage, man. I mean, this is a long time coming, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Listen, I remember I, I, I almost felt slighted. 
you know, I listened to the show. I was cleaning my pool, listening to the show, and listening to the show in the summer. And I kept hearing about the the uh, the post-it notes behind you, which you don't have now because you're on vacation. You didn't take the post-it notes. But I'm like, hey, you know, he's got all these names of who he wants. And then he has to refresh the post-it notes because, he's, you know, I mean, Jay Lee, you're a big guy in the hobby, you know, sure. literally and figuratively. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's uh, – and then you ran out of post-its. I'm like, well, you know, you put my name on a post-it. Like, I'll come on whatever you want. So long time coming. Very happy it is. To be here. It is, and, it, and it's good to have you. Even though it's it's a first, it's your first time on this show. We did have the pleasure of sitting together on a panel at the Mint Collective back in March in Las Vegas. Uh, I moderated the panel. You you participated in it. It was it was a great panel. We had uh, we had Leighton Sheldon as well. A very nice uh, panel discussion that, that we were able to have. And um, so this is kind of it's not our first time sitting together and chit-chatting uh, kind of with an audience, but but here we go. So the first thing I want to ask you is Cage Lawyer. So listen, I mean, some people say, is that his real name? I mean, is, is his last name Lawyer and he became a lawyer? Because <laughs> I think most people know that you are actually a lawyer. That, yes. is, that is your occupation. Um, but I wonder, like, if your parents' last names were Lawyer, would they have named you Cage? And so... <laughs> Why don't you uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about the story behind what you go by? And I mean, it's it's become your brand too. You people, it's your name, it's your brand. Cage lawyer, tell us yeah. the story. Yeah, I mean, listen. I guess if they were in criminal law, Cage wouldn't be. I mean, whatever. So anyway, so the the name itself. So uh, it's funny. Many many moon ago, um, you know, I was collecting uh, UFC cards at the time. Had a couple of couple of lawyer friends who were into sponsoring fighters. This was way before the Reebok deal and Monster Energy and you name it. And uh, the UFC in uh, 09, 10, um, 11, you could basically pay $500, $1,000 and get your name on a fighter's shorts, on a shirt, on their kit. Um, And I had had a, um, a friend who was actually advertising his law firm on fighter shorts and people who were on like the main card of the UFC, think of how far it's come now, right? It's pretty crazy to think about, right? Um, but there were some other sponsors who, you know, they would they would sponsor the entire fighter kit. You name it, you pay five, ten thousand dollars at least. That's what you'd offer. Um, and my one of my friends uh, got close enough with a bunch of these fighters by sponsoring the whole deal that they would tell him about um, other sponsors that weren't paying. And issues they were having with contracts with other promotions, not just the UFC. So, it, hey, we had this great idea. Let's bunch of lawyers, bunch of friends. We all knew each other from you know actually practicing. Let's start Cage Lawyers, which is why there's an S on it on Twitter. That's Cage Lawyers. So we would help fighters with contract issues, get them you know in and out of promotions. You know, if the one promotion wasn't letting them go and sign somewhere else, we'd help them with that. Or a sponsor wasn't uh, you know paying their fees. You name it. We were going to turn this into this great thing, and uh, you know start a fighters union. And you know you could see some of some of my initial tweets. If you go back, I mean my Twitter stuff. I don't delete anything. You can go back to when this was in the beginning. I think it took me like three tweets to get blocked by Dana White. Uh, you know, I think I said the words fighters and union too many times and boom was done. And literally, you know, before it even got started, um, the Reebok deal came in and every fighter was sponsored by Reebok. And, um, you know, the, the whole premise of this was kind of gone because there wasn't any more problems with sponsors not paying because it was Reebok who was paying all the fighters. Um, but I had built up a decent enough following on uh, Twitter that I kind of kept the name. 
and I was not on any other, you know, any other platform. And it's funny, you know, I got into cards, you know, again, many, many years ago. And um, I started posting them on the Cage Lawyers account on Twitter. Gary V found me on there and, you know, knew me as Cage Lawyers. And he's like, he's the reason, by the way, I got Instagram. Okay. And I met with him in his office selling cards. He's like, you got to get on IG. I put you in an Instagram group. We can talk. We can talk to some other people. And I'm like, all right, I might as well just bring the name over. So brought over Cage Lawyer. That's that's it. And at the time, it was just me. Wasn't any friends anymore. So I just made a Cage Lawyer. Got so that was, there's the whole genesis. I wish there was something fancier. You know, no, like my parents were at Woodstock. It's a good I story. Came up with no. this fancy name, but no, it's not. It's not no, it, I like it because it actually gives some context, and it, and it is a story. There is a story behind <laughs> it. Is. You didn't just name yourself Cage. I'm a lawyer, Cage lawyer. You know <laughs> no. that that would have worked too. But you actually have. There's actually yeah. a, a good reason why yes. you go back. And when I actually posted the episode earlier today on Twitter and I searched for Cage Lawyer, I noticed that S on the end of Cage Lawyers. I thought, what's up with that? But I realized it was you because it had the same avatar and all that. Yep. So I knew it was you, but I wasn't sure. Well, why, yeah, why is there an S on there? So now we know. Now you know. Now that you makes know. a lot of sense. So take us through your, your collecting career. You just said that you can't, you kind of got back into it several years yeah. ago. I think yep. a, a lot of people did. When, you know, you, you started collecting when you were younger, the football injury, you're collating yep. Tops yep. 86 tops baseball sets, but take us through your, your collecting journey. So, because I feel like I've listened to several of Luca Tigers and Bronze Omai's oh podcasts. I don't know how many you guys are over 800 episodes now, which yep. is mind boggling in and of itself. You guys are, I, I hear that I'm the hardest working guy. I, I just say, no, you guys, you guys got to check out Cage and Andrew. These are the hardest working guys in, in, in hobby business right now. I think it's you. Because you do work very hard. We just, I, I listen, I got Andrew basically, you know, running the whole machine. I just show up and talk, which is great. I'm able to do it here with you too. So I don't know if I, I don't know if working hard. You definitely work hard, man. I've seen the prep. Remember, we were a mint collector together. I saw your notes. I just walk up on stage. You prep. You do a lot of work and, you know, even prep for this. So I think when people say you're the hardest working guy in this, I, I think they're actually right. So the hobby journey, I've never really been too far away from cards. Um, you know, as a kid in, you know, 86, when I got that, that set, tried to put it in order and you name it, it was difficult. I was a Yankee fan in 86 and in, in New York, 86, you know, everybody just cared about the white good and Daryl Strawberry and the amazing Mets, Keith Hernandez. Everybody was a Met fan. They all disappeared and became Yankee fans. But in 86, when I was 10, I was a Yankee fan. We had Don Mattingly and his gorgeous mustache, but really nothing else. And, uh, you know, so it wasn't the easiest thing in the world, but I had, you know, I had cards. 87 tops was, you know, I remember collecting baseball cards. I mean, it's funny. I wish I could go back. Think about it. I started collecting 86, 87. Imagine I was collecting basketball cards. But at the time, no one even knew basketball cards existed, right? Because they hadn't for the six years prior, you know, after the 80, 81 set with Magic and Bird, there were no cards, Forget about Star. I know it's a big deal now, but I wasn't yeah. a regional bag collector. You know, I, I was buying baseball cards, right? So so um, the 87 tops, that was amazing stuff. You know, Bo Jackson was a rookie, 86 traded, 87 tops. You had that wood border, future stars. You know, that was when I, you know, we were actually buying packs with the, the green wax wrapper. You go around the corner and, you know, pay 35 cents. I think it was for a pack of cards. And you try to, you know, put a whole set together. Um, I remember as a kid not understanding exactly how cards worked. And I remember trading during the middle of the season a bunch of my Bo Jackson rookie cards for Paul Molitor cards, not realizing it was Paul Molitor's like 11th year, but he had like a 30 game hit streak that year. So I was like, oh, 
I got to get the Paul Molitor cards. He's hot right now. Little did I know I was collecting Mac Jones instead of Tom Brady. See, I was making the same mistake some of the kids in the hobby do now. So anyway, that's kind of how it started. 89, the whole thing exploded, sort of like it exploded recently here. You know, you had just brand explosion. You had Upper Deck, which was sort of like a super premium. And Score came out and, you know, Tops expanded to Bowman, Stadium Club. You had all this stuff. Griffey was huge. Um, and, you know, I get a little older. I get a little more money, a little allowance, a little, you know, shoveling, you know, the snow, you know, cleaning out, you know, people's driveways. 92 was just an explosion uh, not only was Jordan great, but Shaq came. I mean, oh, Shaq yeah. just changed the landscape of cards. I mean, everybody was selling cards. Every church, every you know, every synagogue, every um, you know, Knights of Columbus had a, had a show every weekend. Everybody was out there with their you know, Shaq cards, Alonzo Morning cards. And for the next couple of years, I mean, I was doing shows. I was selling cards. I was selling cards. You know, I was I was taking the Staten Island ferry into um, into Manhattan and selling to like the stockbrokers on their lunch break. So that was a lot of fun, you know, take the ferry in, just set up, you know, a table, um, you know, right, right near Maiden Lane and Broadway. Um, and yeah, I mean, the cards were crazy. And I did that. I, I sold cards straight through college, help, you know, you would take the cash with me, you know, at the end of summer to college, go to school. Um, believe it or not, it's funny how things work. You know, a lot of card money people left. Um, one of, if you want to talk about like full card, card journey, I have a humongous Drew Bledsoe collection. That was my guy. That was who I picked in 93. Uh, he made it to the Super Bowl. A lot of people don't realize in 94 or 95, he lost to Brett Favre and the Packers. And I just built up. I still have it. I have, you know, probably a thousand Drew Bledsoe cars in my basement. That's worth about $4. Um, you know, I, I backed the wrong horse. Um, and, you know, I mean, cards kind of fizzled out there. I mean, you could read, you could read, you know, a whole bunch of stuff. I remember going to a show in New Jersey in Parsippany, which was like the, this great Tuesday night show. And I remember in the you know late nineties, you would think like, wow, Kobe and PMGs and everything. It's all hot now. It wasn't then, you know, it was Beanie Babies. The whole show went from baseball cards to Beanie Babies. And I believe it or not, I was on eBay in the 90s selling Beanie Babies and, you know, helping put myself through law school and um, you name it. Got out of school, 03. I remember that being big, being down on uh, the name of the card. So it was Chameleon Cards. I remember people opening Exquisite in the store, a couple hundred bucks a box. I remember I bought packs of tops. I remember, you know, when I went, when I came back in this most recent time, I found my old like LeBron tops cards, raw Bosch Wade from the packs, you know, I was able to grade them for $8 each, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and then oh nine was the next kind of like boom. I remember it was, uh, you know, Bryce Harper, Steven Strasburg, you know, opening packs, you know, doing that stuff with the, with the baseball cards. Strasburg was huge. I remember, you know, a six figure redemption card of his for like one of his, you know, one of one autos. And I remember, wow, these cards are going to get big. But I didn't I didn't love, you know, um, baseball cards at the time. And, you know, oh nine, I was doing UFC. So I got into UFC cards. 09 through, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, whatever it was, just collected UFC cards um, and have rolled recently into, you know, into basketball, baseball, vintage, you name it. So never really away from it. A couple of years here and there, sure, late 90s, you know, kind of 04 through 08, you know, doing other stuff, get married, having kids and then the like. That's the whole journey. Wow. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that. That's, that's a nice synopsis. I mean, so you've been... <laughs> You've been sort of hustling cards for a while. I mean that with positive connotation. I mean, you were going down to Wall Street and selling cards to the to the finance guys yep. on their lunch. I mean, that's yeah. 
that's entrepreneurial. Like, so you've got it, you've got it, you've been doing it for so long too. And, but the thing I found most interesting about what you just told us was that, you know, you were collecting Drew Bledsoe and little did you know that that you were collecting the wrong guy. Of course you couldn't know that at the time, but the, the nugget of, of information and knowledge and experience from that story is, is really, is it a nugget that you are now using to your advantage by knowing how to approach the hobby as it is today. And on your show, you guys, you guys kind of give picks for players that you like. You talk about cards you like. So how are you using the experience, the real life experience of the junk wax era, let's say, or not even just, it's not even the junk wax era experience. It's the experience of, of collecting a player who doesn't pan out and right. become worth anything. And if, if, some, if collecting a player that's worth something is important to you, then you might want to avoid collecting a player who isn't worth anything in the future. So can you just speak a bit to how that experience is 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 being utilized in your strategies and in your content uh, right now? Sure. For content, it's easy um, because, I mean, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. I've stolen that from somebody famous. I don't exactly know who, but it, the rhyme right now is everybody's making bets on a player and not everyone will be right. And in the 90s, I made a bet on Drew Bledsoe. Had I made that bet on a different quarterback, I might have been in a, in a, a better shape. Um, you know, if I were born six years later and I made that bet on Tom Brady, I'd be in a lot better shape. <laughs> some of it's luck. Some of it's not. Um, so I can't say, wow, don't go all in on a player. Don't pick a player and go with that person because plenty of people have made plenty of money backing the right horse. Um, you know, people did it with Mahomes back in 17 when he was not supposed to be that guy and they've all done fine. But yeah, for coloring the content, it's, um, I definitely am more cautious, cautiously optimistic. I try to remain optimistic about the hobby overall, but I do try to point out as many times as I can, the craziness in the prices when you compare these ultra modern, you know, young guys that really haven't done anything with, you know, the people who are out there who have done it, the people who are done. Um, I, I've had some great conversations about it, though, Jeremy. People, you know, explain to me, you know, folks like to be right. Folks like to back the right horse and say that they were right early on. Um, they like to watch their guy and, you know, they like to bet on potential rather than something that's already been done. So I get it. I like to tell, you know, my own kind of history. Um, and, yeah, the Drew Bledsoe stuff's worth nothing. I hope for the folks out there listening who are backing, I don't want to say Trey Lance because that's like beating a dead horse, but whoever else, you know, whatever other young quarterback right now, I hope you have the, the Brady instead of the Bledsoe. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back to early on in the, in the pandemic when the hobby was really starting to get a lot more attention, uh, both mainstream, but also just content wise, you know, on Instagram, the, the, the card accounts were just kind of pouring in every day, more and more people starting card accounts on IG, more and more channels starting up on, on YouTube. And one of the narratives I remember back then, Cage, and I wonder if you remember this too, was, you know, how is the hobby going to continue to grow and how is it going to sustain this trajectory that it's on? And one of the, one of the answers for that was, well, fantasy sports, fantasy yep. football. I mean, there are so many people out there playing fantasy sports. Wouldn't they love cards and the the thrill that you get with with buying collecting investing in sports cards it's sort of similar to the thrill you get when you draft that player for your fantasy team and then you get to ride the wave with them through that through the season and and that i think it ended up being true that a lot of a lot of fantasy players did come in and become 
card collectors, speculators, investors, flippers, uh, investors, and I'll come back to collectors as well. Now what I see is I see in, in some hobby content that, that I consume that passes by my eyes, I'm seeing people say things like, well, you know, a lot of money is going into this handful of quarterbacks this year, and it's very risky. And who's doing it? Who's 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 collecting these? They must be new people coming into the hobby. Well, isn't this what we were talking about two years ago? And isn't this kind of what we were speculating was going to happen two years ago? And now it's happened. And we kind of, the narrative now is that, well, these people are doing it wrong and they're going to leave the hobby once they realize that it's that their strategy isn't working. And I question that and wonder, are they going to leave the hobby or are they just going to try a new player? Because a lot of them are, are gamblers and they, they enjoy the thrill. So, you know, we often as a hobby have these narratives and then the narratives actually come true. They're almost <laughs> yeah. self-fulfilling hobby prophecies. They come true and then we criticize them. So what, what do you make of that? Am I, uh, have you observed or are you, are you seeing the same sort of that same pattern that, that I just uh, described? Yeah. I mean, listen, the hobby, what's funny about it is I would love it for it to be like everybody who's into sports betting or fantasy or that stuff to be able to do the hobby, but it's different, right? It, it, it is, it's an asset, right? I mean, so, so these cards that we're, you know, we're talking about, they're, they're a, a lot different than that. And I think one of the things we got caught up with in that, you know, in the pandemic was just this crazy increase in supply. So, you know, I would love it in a perfect world for, you know, there to be a commodity card for each player, but there isn't. We were trying to do that with, you know, let's call it like the Ja and Zion and Luca prism base cards, right? So that if you bought that at a certain amount, if they went out there on the court and had a great year, that card was going to go up. That's like making your sports bet or playing fantasy, right? But the, the difference was while everybody was making their bets, while everybody was drafting Ja and, and or Zion or Luca, you know, in fantasy or in sports bet, the population count on those, the supply was just increasing in such a way that, you know, the pricing couldn't keep up with it. So even though Ja had this fantastic season, you know, the price couldn't keep up. Um, you know, it's part of the reason why a StockX model might not work in cards, right? You, can, you can't have that skew. It's not really a commodity. And I think, you know, the, the difference is what we've seen here is, you know, that, that I guess the consumer since, since, you know, COVID started, since, you know, the pandemic has gotten a little wiser about the whole population control, you know, the whole, uh, you know, Hey, supply and demand. And, um, you know, they're, they're moving towards cards that, that are, are, you know, lower pop. I don't know whether or not the fantasy kind of angle can, can, you know, can actually go. I will say this though. Um, I do think cards, fantasy, sports betting, they do have kind of like a correlation because I remember when people didn't talk about sports betting every day and when people didn't talk about fantasy every day, it was like taboo. It wasn't water cooler talk. Now, in you, you know, any office you go to, people are talking about, oh, who, who's a fantasy team? You know, who'd you draft? Or, wow, they got a bad beat this week. So, it, you know, it used to be something people didn't talk about and then it became mainstream. In that regard, I could see cards doing the same thing as fantasy or sports betting. Like every commercial you watch on a football game now is about sports betting. That used to be something the league wouldn't promote. It used to be something the league, you know, would actually try to, you know, to keep under wraps. Now everybody's got on their phone, everybody's sports betting. I think cards might be something that follows that. I just don't know how, you know, how it works with, you know, you know, how are you making your bet on a player, right? And that's the well, only that's the only difference. Yeah, you, you either come in and you buy one of these uh, supposed commodity cards being the the high pop, the 15, 20,000 
pop 10, you know, PSA 10 pop cards, BGS 95s and that. Um, or you come in and you make a real play because you're a heavy hitter and you buy a Patrick Mahomes NTRPA or you buy a Trey Lance or you buy a Josh Allen or, or, or Luca or any of these guys whose RPAs are doing six figures plus. And then we, the, we, the, uh, the hobby experts, and I air quote that, you know, the, the <laughs> hobby, uh, arm, the hobby armchair quarterbacks, we come in and we, we sort of criticize some of these people for doing that and say, well, who's buying, who's buying all these NTRPAs for $400,000 of players. Meanwhile, we're seeing, you know, Tom Brady's and, 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 and like the true stars, the true icons and legends, their cards are selling for much less or significantly less. Some of their cards are. And, uh, and, you know, I think, again, it comes back to that sort of self-fulfilling prophecy that we, that we generated two years ago. Uh, we kind of, we almost wished it to happen. And now with at that high level, we're like, what are you guys doing? Well, hey, we all, it's all, well, we almost invited these guys. So let's educate them. Let's try to help them if they care and even want to listen to us. But that's a whole other, a whole other <laughs> issue right there. Okay. No, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. You got a response? No, I cool. think you're hundred percent right. I think you're hundred percent right. I mean, I'd love to see it. I think, you know, basically no matter how you slice that question, what we'd all like to see is more people in the hobby. I'd love to see it follow the path of sports betting and, you know, and fantasy and that kind of stuff, because it just means it's mainstream and people are doing it. The more, you know, the more times you see a record sale price, the more times you see, you know, you know, something sell and it get, you know, mainstream media um, promotion, the more likely that is to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think uh, with uh, a lot of us are expecting that to happen with, with fanatics coming in and, and having such a, a, a powerful marketing arm and reach and uh, all the doors they have with lids and and fanatics and access to all the stadiums and arenas throughout throughout all the leagues it's, it's uh i think we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes but all right let's uh let's go to a few comments let's see who we sure. got here there's a lot of good questions coming through so we're going to kind of take them as they come uh punt pass click says that was an andrew worthy intro <laughs> nice to hear business 124 good evening to you welcome to the show philly joe hello to you Chad Chipper says, hello to us. Best after party at the National was Cigar Night at the Hard Rock. We'll talk a bit about that too. But yes, I was there and that was that was a great night, which you had a big part of, uh, of doing. Uh, Chris C says, hello, I felt like a, I feel like a class action lawsuit is possible against Tops for the Chrome SP mess. Just wanted your thoughts. Feels like it was <laughs> intentionally done to make more money. Um, I mean, I'll let you go in a second cage. Personally, I, I don't think they intentionally did it. I think that's, I think that would just have been a, a real stupid move. But I don't <laughs> think, I don't think, I, I don't think that they would have done that personally. Uh, I think it was a legitimate error, but what do I know? I'm not there. I'm speculating just like Chris C is speculating right here. Uh, that's what it feels like to me though. And as a clash action lawsuit, I don't know. I don't think so. They could probably, they could, maybe they could pass it on to their co-packers too. So who really knows? What do you think, Cage? I'm sure there's language somewhere that says that, you know, there's nothing guaranteed in any specific box release, you name it, the whole nine yards. So I, I, I think it would fall short, uh, you know, before it even got out of the starting gate. Um, the, the comment about how it feels intentional, I almost feel that. I mean, I know it wasn't intentional, but they were, what they've come up with to kind of fix it is great. I mean, it's good promotional. You know what I mean? There's a lot of the, the new packs that are coming out, the autos. I saw a fake auto of like, you know, hey, how did you not include me in the set? You know, I think it was a J-Rod auto, you know, like inscription. Wow, you forgot about me? No way. So 
I mean, listen, anything that they, that brings PR is a good thing. That said, anybody who bought this stuff thinking they were going to get it, you know, I'm sure you have my, you know, my apologies on behalf of Tops. I mean, that's no good. You know, if you buy that stuff trying to find these super short prints and you never even had a chance to get it, that's kind of messed up. I don't think yeah. it's a technical low. <laughs> yeah, and listen, I, I don't I don't know all the ins and outs of the situation, but the the solution that that I see, I've seen them roll out seems to be all right. I just hope that everybody who uh, is deserving gets what should be coming to them, which are some of these silver packs. So yep. time will tell how it's rolled out, and that'll. I'm sure they have their challenges with that. All right. Card Amigo says, I think tag grading should sponsor the largest tag you're at game at the national. Just a random idea I came up with. He he ends it with a wink. I don't think it was just a random idea you came up with, Card. What do you think, Cage? Yeah, great idea. You know, I, why didn't I think of that myself? <laughs> I think it, I think it'd be fantastic. The lawyer in me is a little concerned about where we would have it. And us, you know, us old dudes running around playing tag. But I think it would make for some great content. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I mean, let's face it; it's not exactly the most fun sport going being tagged. I haven't. I have yet to see a, a sports card with a tag professional on it. So, well, I mean, listen, you're gonna have enough people there. You know, you'd invite Tops, Panini, you name it, and tell them they got to make cards of it. There you that go. Would be a lot of fun. The first licensed game of tag set. You got the <laughs> Jay Lee card, right? I mean, people, people yeah. would buy it. Get a little autograph. They would forget to put you in though. And then send out packs after the fact. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And then I'll be in the silver packs. I'm I'm okay with that. (laughs) Rep and Rajan, good to see you. Welcome back to the show. Francesco has a question for you, Cage. He says, card shop, pawn shop, good idea in a down market. You mean to have a card shop, pawn shop? I I mean, in a down market, I would say it depends, right? If you're the one taking in the cards in a down market, no. Um, you know, it's part of what scares me about some of like these, you know, card finances and you name it, you know, some of, some of the cards, you see the prices over the course of a six month period, you know, what you thought was the value all of a sudden it's significantly less. Um, you know, it's what kind of gets me a little nervous about people taking in cards and loaning out cash, um, you know, at the valuations that are so quick to change based on, you know, any given market. I mean, imagine people were lending against Trey Lance a month ago. You know, those kind of things, you know, I mean, you know, you, you lend against the house, you lend against another asset, you know, I guess things could happen. But, you know, especially current modern players, you know, that have this this high risk football injury, you name it, that gets me a little nervous. I wouldn't want to be the one, you know, in a card shop where, you know, Trey Lance collector came in and laid his cards down on the table. And then, you know, I'm loaning out cash that I'm never going to see back in those cards. So. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, you know, and I want, I've heard like we know about CardFi, uh, Eddie's company from Investacard. I see, I you know, I see Eddie all over the place, and uh, both both online and and personally when when we're at different events. And um, I'm I'm not sure, but I've heard, and he might be watching and can confirm. But I think his like loan to value that they're willing to loan is like seventy percent of the value of the card. I think that's pretty high. Let's just play a quick little game here, Cage. If you were to start up. A, a company that was lending against sports cards. Two prong question: mm-hmm. Mo- Current players that are that are not yet Hall of Fame guarantees, so like not the Tom Brady's and the Steph Curry's and the Sidney Crosby's, uh, but so current players maybe that came in the league in the past four years. <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> four years, and then legends, guaranteed Hall of Famers. What's your loan to value in those two different groups? 
Yeah, I mean, the Hall of Famers, the legends, you know, your, your vintage cards, I think you can lend a little bit more on, right? Because, um, you know, you're not going to get the fluctuations in value. Um, but, I mean, PWCC, I'm pretty sure they, you know, they do, you know, loans against the vault. They do loans against if you're selling the cards, right? Over 40% of your, of your uh, you know, of your vault value is usually what they kind of go with. I mean, that's that to me seems a little more reasonable um, with with vintage and, and, and that kind of stuff, you might be able to go a little bit more. I don't know if I'd be going 60, 70, 80%. I'm pretty sure, you know, Eddie was doing one of these promos that if he came to the national with a Jordan rookie, he'd give you 80% of it. I think he was offering at the time, like, you know, $150,000 or something like that for a Jordan 10, you know, I'm sure part of that was publicity, but you know, 70, 80% on a card is difficult. Yeah, because the the market can fluctuate. <clears throat> excuse me, 20, 30, 40%. That's what I did. I left you speechless. I took your I took <laughs> I your breath away. Why don't you take a second here, you know, and, yeah. and get a drink? I feel bad, man. Look what I, I did, did to you. I did. I've got my water here. All of a sudden my voice just just went on me here. In 800 and something episodes, I will tell you this has happened to me. And I feel like, all right, this is miserable. I can't do this. People are listening to me. And and in the moment, you think to yourself, this is never going to go away. My voice is never going to come back. I'm going to sit here and tell you like this the whole time. So what do we think? Are you back? I was just filibustering <laughs> Well, no, you just you just bought me some time <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, that's what I was doing. <laughs> my, I can hear it's my still, voice right now. My voice right, is still like that, but we're gonna go with it. I'm just gonna talk. That's However it. However, I sound, I sound now. So, uh, no, sorry you're, for you're the back. My co-host is back. <clears throat> all right, Mad Cult Collectibles says, "I don't know if all the high pop ultra modern rookie cards are viable as an investment. Twenty thousand PSA tens can't have a high ceiling. I could be wrong, though. That's a great comment, and I say that because, you know." A year and a half ago when I was doing the show and we were seeing the hobby just go nuts, but we were also seeing pop starting to go nuts and there was like a 12 million card backlog at PSA. So we knew there was a tsunami upon us any month now, yet the values were going up. And I used to say, and I still think there's some validity to this, but I think it just the cycles are more powerful than the validity, which was, listen, 15,000 PSA 10, Luca, Luca Prisms. Well, that, that doesn't even satisfy every fan that goes to a Dallas Mavericks game. But you have to consider there's more than just that one card. And not everybody going to the game wants the card, although I would assume most people would. So I, I just I, I think that uh, that mod cult collectibles is, is right, that these ultra-modern high-pop commodity cards uh, just, they can be an investment, but you've got to play. It's more like for day trading, I would think. And I'm not make, giving advice here. Whereas a long-term hold on a very rare piece of a player who's, you know, got a career under, under his or her belt is a much, is much more viable as an investment. Anything you'd like to say to that? Yeah. I mean, listen, it's a great comment. What it comes down to is tie it back to the question that Jeremy asked a few minutes ago, which is, you know, what happens if this becomes the sports betting or fantasy, you know, I mean, think of how many people, you know, who are playing fantasy, um, and they love their fantasy lineup. Think of how many people you know who you know are betting on the Dallas Mavericks, Luca, Ja, whatever it might be. Um, you know, if this grows the way that folks think it's going to grow, the, the the way that we all want it to grow, twenty thousand PSA ten sounds like a lot. And when yeah, when you you're right when you add it to the population of the other Luca rookies and everything that's out there. But I know there's more than twenty thousand people who play fantasy sports. I know there's more than twenty thousand people who who bet on sports. Um, and if you know, if fanatics or whoever it is that brings us into the next generation, you know, grows this stuff, you know, 
they could be a viable investment. It really just you know depends on 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 how many people are out there looking to buy it, right? It always comes down to supply and demand. Right now, that supply is way too much for the demand. If the demand increases, though, all bets are off. I think you went on mute. At least I can't hear you. There you Thank go. You. You're, you're, as I'm coughing in the background, so I mute myself. Right. Yeah, you're exactly you're right. Um, <clears throat> you know, if Fanatics does what a lot of people speculate they they are planning to do or can do, it's like 10xing the amount of participants in the hobby. That's a that's a lofty goal. But if they can do that, then you know, a population today of fifteen thousand is the equivalent of a population of fifteen hundred. Which mean you know just uh, supply again supply or demand goes up, supply is going to be strained a little bit, <clears throat> so prices should go up with it. But let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. First of all, hello to you, global, you beautiful content consumer. Great to have you on the show. Chris C says the way to cure a high PSA count is grade with someone else. We have choices <laughs> among grading. We well, do, we do. But you're you're still it's the cards are still out there in slabs and uh, and I don't know that it completely yeah it cures the psa count but it doesn't cure the grading eventually count. there'll be a universal pop count i don't know whether gem ray is going to be the one that does mm -hmm. it or you know somebody else or the, you know the grading companies will all get together or you name it. but eventually you know there will be a way to say okay you know it's not twenty thousand psa 10 lucas it's you know fifty thousand total nine and above between beckett sgc and psa like there'll be i don't know if it's this year next year whatever but i do believe that there'll be a universal pop report which I will be so interesting too. and i think it'll be by i think it'll be by grade and then i also think it will be by uh by like condition right because not everybody uses the same numerical assignment for a gem mint or a near mint and etc cetera, etc cetera. so That'll be interesting. Triple V says he's in, in agreement with your recent take on judge cards. The ebbs and flows of the hobby must be experienced to understand fully. <clears throat> yeah, well said, well said. And Global says that you are a bloody legend, Cage. There you go, That's buddy. It. There you I'm, go. I'm big overseas. I mean, I'm kind of big everywhere. Actually, the picture of you that we have on the thumbnail, I, I, I kind of I wrote back to you. I said, hey, man, where's the rest of you in that picture? I got to tell you, Jeremy, I almost didn't do the show. So this, this lovely guy with all the prep time, he's like, hey, you got a headshot? You know, so I send them my, my professional headshot, which I took in, in 2018. Um, I was about, it's funny, I was about uh, 25 pounds lighter than I am right now. But if you, if you, you know, saw me earlier in the year, it's like 75 pounds different. I lost a lot of weight this year. I still got some to go. But he writes back. He's like, oh, a skinny picture. I'm like, hey, what? The, I, I wanted to say, I wanted, I, I literally almost wrote back like, yeah, next to that, put a short picture of you and we'll be all good. You know what I mean? Like everything will be great. But or, I didn't. I was just like, I'll or, just show up with hair. Or a, or a picture when I had hair, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all good. But no, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You know, I lost I a lot did. of weight for national and. You know, this is the time of year, Jeremy, where Halloween candy comes out, and I usually go, you know, full blast on the candy corn pumpkins. But I'm gonna try not to this year. That's my weakness. <laughs> but you know what? It's true. My my response to you was, "Oh, skinny, pick. skinny, yeah, skinny." Pick. <laughs> I was like, "What the hell is this guy trying to say?" Yeah. <laughs> well, I was. I wondered, is he gonna show up tonight? I'm glad you no, did. I'm here. I'm, I'm glad I'm you here. did. I always show up. All right, James, good evening to you. Grew up going to the Parsippany show. Very cool. Alex Bailey had, had says we had years of growth within a single year. Give it a decade. Yeah, I think we need to let 
that the, the 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 chips fall as they That's say. Right, man. Let it breathe. I love that. Contender Sports caught on Instagram. Welcome to the show. Says watch fanatics revolutionize the RPA by adding another aspect to the card: gaming's memorabilia plus auto plus serial number plus something else, something new. I mean, what like maybe DNA? Like I don't know what else they could <laughs> do, but I'm curious what that next evolution might be. So NFTs. Nah, that's just... something. That's it. It's possible. But it starting lineups, to... starting lineups that are hideously realistic. <laughs> hideously realistic. <laughs> but we're talking adding something physical to the card. Wonder what that could be. Dan J. Good evening to you. Welcome to the show. We have Hockey Barn Collectible. Says someone was looking to corner the market with the tops good up. Joe Perot. Good evening to you. Says foosball table in the background. A nice, nice touch on a Saturday night. Yeah. I'm, hey man, I pick my Airbnbs. <laughs> Very well, I must say. I must say. Uh, back to the tops talk. Uh, Dr. says that I asked Parkside Collectibles if they would make a coaches type product to distribute to kids instead of just the hanger boxes of soccer cards, and they tweeted they were going to look into it. So, <clears throat> and I apologize. That is not back to the tops uh, issue. It says there are a lot of slow runners in the hobby. Okay, hockey, hockey says most dealers will pocket the silver packs themselves, and collectors who bought the product will never see them. I mean, most is a strong word, hockey, hockey. Uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to assume the opposite and say the opposite of most, whatever that is. But I don't think most will. I think that people know about it, and um, some will for sure. You ju- you're just not going to get away from that. But I think most is too strong there. Chris says that the top solution doesn't assure that the real collectors get the silver packs exactly. I don't know how they could do it exactly. So I think we have to kind of consider that it's going to be impossible to rectify this to everybody's 100% satisfaction, and we can only expect them to do the, the best they can to learn from the mistake and not make it in, in the future. What else What else can we do? I don't know. Put them out of business? I mean, I don't <laughs> think anybody really wants that. Cage, any comment? <clears throat> no, I mean, listen, everything everything's being said there about the silver packs is correct. I mean, here's one of those things. You know, you have the ability to vote with your wallet. You know, where you buy your cards You know, is where you spend your money. You, I would hope that if you're, you know, buying cards from an LCS and you bought a box that this stuff should have been in, that that LCS knows you bought that box and will save the silver pack for you. And if they don't and they just open it themselves or they're selling it online themselves, you don't go back there with your money. You find another place to go. I mean, that's easy. Obviously, not everybody buys through their LCS down the block. People are buying them online. If you bought a box online, send that company an email. Say, hey, I bought one of these boxes. I know you're getting silver packs. Make sure that, you know, one's being reserved for me. You bought through a breaker, send the breaker an email, right? Hey, I bought into a breaker. Hey, I bought a box break from you. I should get a silver pack when you get it, you know? And what's fun here, guys, there's no BBB, right? There's no Better Business Bureau. But if you bought from a breaker and you have, you know, the receipts, as that's a big word, right? You know, the coach of the Jets made it very big. And then Gary V lost his mind and you know was yelling about receipts also <laughs> um you know so you got the receipts put it out there i'll repost it if you went and bought a box from a breaker and you should have gotten a silver pack and you email them and say hey i should get the silver pack and they say they're not going to send it to you send it to me i'll post it jeremy will post it maybe depends on the you know, if you get their friends you, maybe if you bought <laughs> and if you bought any of this product from from online you have yeah. an email that has that receipt so you That's have right. a paper trail Okay, let's keep on going. Keep going. DR, could these leveraged card lending programs turn into a subprime lending catastrophe like we saw in the U.S. during the Great Recession and take down everything with it on its way down? Well, listen, um, I actually heard um, I actually heard Eddie say on on the uh, on the 
on the Sasha T podcast that he he compared what he's doing to this to a subprime sort of service. So it is already really happening. It is a sub. It is similar to that. But can it take everything down with it on its way down? I think it's too niche right now. So I, I, I don't think that's the case yet. But if this thing grows to where every collector is borrowing against their cards at subprime type rates, then the answer I think would be yes. But we're not there, and I don't think we're going to get there. We'd all have to be pretty stupid to get there. John, go ahead. <laughs> you walked around the show. You walked around <laughs> shows lately. We are all pretty stupid. No, <laughs> but you're right though. It, it's definitely such a small segment of of what's going on. Um, you know. I think Eddie is smart with his money. I think the fact that PWCC just got, you know, the, that huge amount of money also, they're going to do it the right way. They have a vested interest in obviously not, you know, crashing the whole market, you know, they yeah. crash themselves if they do that. So, you know, I'm sure they're going to be, you know, they're going to be mindful of how they do it as well. So I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay. John Waller says thoughts on collecting, moving further and further away from a kid's game. If anything, it's turning into a rich person's game. Thanks guys. Cage, what do you think? Yeah, I think it will turn back into a kid's game and stay a rich person's game. Um, you know, what it will take soon is I think we're already starting to see it. Uh, Chronicles came out uh, last week and some of the breakers were out there yelling about how it was the greatest, hottest product because for the first time ever, Chronicles had noir sneaker cards in it. But it's not the real noir. It's like a Chronicles dumbed down version of noir. And they were putting it out there, 375 a box. It wasn't being broken. Next, 350 300 now i see 275 250 well you know what happened is people get smart enough the breakers will stop touching that stuff the breakers won't be able to make money on it the people who are pricing it out panini um you know fanatics whoever it is it's going to be and i'm just using chronicles as one example there are plenty of these across the different sports and across different products it won't become a breaking product it'll go back to being the retail product that it was supposed to be that's in stores and it's on a hanger and it's a blaster in Target for $19.99. It's not getting marked up by somebody for 70 bucks. The high-end stuff will stay the high-end stuff. The breakers will keep breaking national treasures and all these other crazy flawless products. But there will be that level that was supposed to be for kids all along that during this crazy run-up left that little kid section. I can tell you, Jeremy, I, I've gone to, you know, Walgreens, Walmart recently, not Target because, you know, they, you know, they're still a little crazy with the stuff with all the, all the lunacy that happened there during, during, you know, the last couple of years. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've seen packs again in stores, you know, it's absolute football or, it's, but I've seen packs available for kids to buy in stores. So that will happen again, um, Jonathan, you know, unfortunately the kids are not going to be able to break national treasures. There'll be products for people who are breaking on the high end, and there'll be products for kids to be able to break on the low end. Well, that that's exactly it right there. I see. I don't think it's it's a, a rich person's game. I think that it's an every person's game, uh, just like every other product and service we buy to sustain our life. You don't have to only buy the cup or exquisite or national treasures or immaculate or flawless or pearl. You don't only have to buy the most expensive things. The problem is that that's what everybody wants. So if you're a young person or you're somebody who, you know, doesn't, who, who makes a modest living, you can't afford those products. And <clears throat> I've said it before and it comes across, this is a very harsh and probably not very popular take, but it's my take. I'm going to share it. The people that can't afford those products, I say with, with, with some compassion, I say too bad. <clears throat> you can't afford it. You also can't afford to buy a Ferrari. But you can go buy a you can go buy you know whatever else you want to buy. 
you, you can you can go buy a car for twenty five thousand dollars or fifteen thousand or a used car for six or eight. You don't have to buy a car for a quarter million dollars. The same thing applies to sports cards. It applies to what restaurants you eat at. It applies to what clothes you wear. So everything can be seen as a rich person's game if you're only following accounts, consuming content, and and seeing people buy the highest end of whatever product or hobby or you know what whatever it is that you need. Not everybody can live in a ten thousand square foot mansion. A yep. lot of people live in in nine six seven eight hundred square foot homes do they like it's almost like an, it's an entitlement like well we should be able to afford those well the hawk the, the sports card market has evolved so much since the 80s to where there is a different price point for almost every market you can still buy packs of cards for a couple bucks that's a lot of money for a lot of people but it's not four five two thousand dollars right it's a couple of bucks so i think it's still a hobby for everybody if you can stick to the lane up in which you are able to afford just because you can't afford more doesn't mean that you have to that you can't collect the cheaper products and another thing is that you can go to most lcs's and card shows and you can flip through dollar bins at the burbank show rob and burbank sports cards they had a whole corner they had, i think they had a million cards out 25 cents a card so wow. it's not just a rich person's game but everybody wants what the rich people have. Listen, I drive a GMC Terrain from 2013. That's what I drive. That's my vehicle. Okay. It's a nothing car. Like it's not, I shouldn't say it's a nothing car. It's probably worth $11,000 right now, Canadian. So if you're in the US, you know what I'm, you know, you probably think it's worth a thousand bucks. It's not worth much, but I don't, but I, I don't, I can't afford to go buy a Ferrari for $250,000. Do I complain about that? No. I, I drive what I drive because it's what I can afford and what I want to drive. So sorry for the rant there. but No, I listen, I think you're 100% right. I mean, the, just to, to put a little cherry on top of the Sunday you just made, I love watching the premier auction on Thursday night from PWCC, but I can't buy the vast majority of the cards that are in it. They have a weekly auction. And there, I can buy almost every card. You know, there's hundreds of pages of cards that are 10 12 $15, even graded cards. So I think, you know, you're 100% right. There is, a, there is a, a segment of the hobby for everyone. We can't all play, you know, in the majors. We can go out there with a six-pack and play some beer league though on the weekend. Exactly. You mentioned the premier auction, which I've been covering for since it started a year and a half ago or so. And I watch this every night and I'm once a month, I should say I'm watching this auction and I'm seeing all these cards I would love to have. And I'm kind of drooling over these cards. I don't think I've ever bought a card in the premier auction because I just can't afford them. And these are cards I want, but I don't sit there and say, oh, the hobby's gotten too rich for me or it's a rich man's game. No, it's for rich men and it's for average men and it's for you know, modest income men or whatever, whatever you want to say, you know, above the poverty line, there's something for everybody in the hobby. Uh, but everybody can't have everything. And I think we just have to get used to it. So, all right, but still, John, a great comment. Thanks for that. And uh, give us a chance to, to address it. Uh, Mac says, uh, welcome to the show, by the way, says, will Luca reach Jordan, Kobe, LeBron level card wise, or just below that above Shaq and Curry? Yeah, good question. I'm going to go first, uh, Cage, and just say, I don't think he will reach Jordan Kobe LeBron level card wise because um, his cards came out in the in the Panini era and are super mass produced. So he'll have a few gems in there, you know, a few one of ones and the the golds out of ten and all that. But generally speaking, I would say no. Uh, now, and I also think that a lot of his cards 
have championships built in already, like two at least. So it's going to take uh, hitting those and then some, winning those chips and then some. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a, it's a great question, right? Because if you take out the one hyphenated word card-wise, right? Will Luka reach Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, Shaq, Curry level, right? That's multiple champions. That's MVP, you know? So basically you, you, your question is, you know, two parts. Number one, can Luka do what they did on court? Sure. I think, Jeremy, you're right. I mean, it's, you got to build in a bunch of championships there, right? I mean, how many championships are we looking at? I mean, Shaq won finals MVP multiple times, won, you know, championship with multiple teams. LeBron's got four. Jordan's got six. You know, it's a tall order for him to match their on-court performance. And then beyond that, because his rookie cards and the majority of his cards came out in this card proliferation time where there's just so many of them even if he is able to match on court what some of these guys did there are so many more cards that now adding in the card wise it makes it even tougher he might have to do more than some of these guys i mean shaq i think part of the reason shaq doesn't get the love that you know card wise to use the word again that some of these other guys because that 92 period where i was talking about cards blew up again just you know so you could buy a shaq rookie card for next to nothing now you, know, you want to go buy his Fleer rookie, you know, with the the you know the brown or gold border or his hoops rookie or whatever. It, it costs next to nothing. So you know, it's it's a two part question, and I don't know whether he gets to either part. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree completely. Uh, Chris C says, "How about a card where you win an experience with a player, meet in person, a redemption for that? That's definitely something." Uh, but it's not attached to the card. This goes back to, uh, for people who have just joined, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, what could be the next evolution of the RPA? Uh, Francesco has a question for you, Cage. Uh, will rare parallel numbered cards of veteran players hold up in the future, buy them or stay away? Rare parallel numbered cards of veteran players. So, I mean, when I hear that, I think to myself, like, you know, current sets, like if you're going to buy Prism now and it's a, a numbered parallel of, you know, somebody who's good now, you know, but not top, not top line. Like, I mean, who are we talking about? Like a rare parallel of a veteran player. I don't know, like a, like a gold of Embiid this year's, I mean, honestly, I don't think so. Um, you know, unless it's got something else. So I'll use a, an example of my own. I actually talked about this on today's episode, right? You know, we were talking about credentials, why do people love the credentials cards? And I said it has two things going for it that make it work. One, they're numbered and they're low numbered. And also they weren't made for a million years in a row. So not only are they limited in that particular year, but they're also limited for a player overall. Like PMGs. Why do people love PMGs? Only a couple of years of PMGs. And there's a hundred of them, right? So if you want to get a Michael Jordan PMG, Forget about the stuff that's out now. There's a couple years of it. There's a couple hundred of them. Like you're fighting. There'll never be enough supply of those, right? Rare parallel number cards. It depends. So I recently bought a 2012 Prism Gold Tim Duncan. Starting to buy a little Tim Duncan collection. I that's a nice card. While we were talking, I let a, uh, a PMG Red go. Bid up too high. So I, I'm, I'm bidding. We're all doing lots of stuff. Sorry. 99% of my attention on you. But anyway, <laughs> I bought that card. One of the one of the things that factored into my equation there was they continue to make prism versions. They continue to make more gold. So, you know, it's 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16. So if you're talking about something like that and, and we're like, you know, 2018 gold or, or some other low number parallel of a veteran player, I would say it will have value. 
but it might not hold up a long time. I would probably be more stay away than buy just because every year there's more of the same kind of thing. Why I went with 2012 was the first year. So at least yeah. storytelling, creative why I could say, okay, this is like an iconic set and the whole deal. But, you know, I, I want to go more towards like star rubies, which are numbered and they stop making them or flair legacy, you know, number to a hundred. They're numbered, they're rare, and they kind of stop making them. You know what I mean? Like that, those are the kind of cards I would go with with rare parallel to vet players, as long as they stay rare. If they if they're things that you know they continue to make, it makes it a little tougher. Yeah, and and that's the thing with Prism Golds, right? Every year they come out with Prism, they make 10 more golds for that player. Now, 10's not a big number every year, even over 10 years, that's only 100 cards. Now you've got the 97 PMGs between the greens and the reds. It took sure. 10 years to get there. So I have a couple of comments on that. The first one, when it comes to credentials, and they're my favorite cards, by the way, the <laughs> other thing I love about them is that they're they're often, they have something really cool technology-wise in the way they were built, right? Whether it's whether it's die-cut cardboard on a, on a layer of acetate or vice versa, or a really nice gold foil with a shadow coming off them, like the 99s, I love those. <clears throat> they're, they're really cool. The other thing is that as far as low-numbered or... or rare parallel numbered cards of vet players right now what i do like about that is that number one they're not base cards so they're not made in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands and if it's really low enough like out of 10 or 25 down the road when somebody decides hey i'm gonna you know call it five years after luca retires they decide i'm gonna go after luca cards because back in the early 2020s when i was 15 years old he was my hero and uh, I'm going to go chase those cards. Well, now they're going to go chase, say, 20 different years worth of Prism Golds. That's only 20 cards they have to buy to get each and every one of those. That's a pretty cool pursuit, if you ask me. And there's only 20 people, sorry, 10 people that could ever do that because there's only 10 of each. So I think you have to be selective. I think that the answer to, to Francesco's question there is that, for me, the answer is buy. This is for me. I'm not giving advice. I, I, I personally buy this stuff. Because I think, number one, they're cool, they look nice, and I do think that there's lasting power for them. Okay, let's keep going because I'm getting way behind in comments. We have some other topics I want to cover with you yeah. that aren't even coming up in the comments. And we're, we're already at the 58-minute mark. Hey, I'm always having so much fun when yeah, I'm hanging man. out with you, man. All right. Thank you, DR, for for uh, for clarifying. I didn't know what you meant by that. For the big national, the national <laughs> big game of tag was for the slow runners. Thank you so much for that. Uh Dennis Patrick Zender, welcome to the show, says, what are your thoughts on F1 and tennis card marks? Do they have lasting power? I mean, listen, I don't know if this is a, because you talk about this, Gage. I, I don't know your answer to this, but I think they do have some. Not every card, every set, but the stars. What do you think? And, and let's uh, let's try and keep this one a little tight. Sure, sure. Um, I don't. Not, I mean, tennis really doesn't have a market yet. I mean, that's an interesting one. But F1 in and of itself, I mean, I've kind of talked about it. I compare it to UFC. It was hot when there was a little bit of it, and then they just kept making more and more and more and more. And you saw it with F1. Everybody loved the product when there was one Topps Chrome and maybe the Dynasty. Now there's top, they have 47 different versions, Topps Chrome, Light, Sapphire, you name it. Um, and I think they'll wind up doing the same thing with tennis cards. You, you, you see it with, with every other sport, right? You saw it with the UFC stuff. You see it with the WWE stuff. You know, this stuff just doesn't hold. When there's... You know, when, when everyone's looking for a Carlos Alcaraz card to use tennis and there's only 50 of them or a couple hundred of them and there's thousands of people who want it, guess what? Demand way more than supply. But as the printing presses get turned on and people are able to buy different levels of Carlos Alcaraz, all of a sudden it all kind of comes down. Sorry, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to take it too long. But go for it. No, that was great. That was that was nice and succinct. I appreciate it. All right. 
James says, we can't expect kids to buy products that others don't want. That won't keep them in. Okay, well, I started I started collecting cards that were worth nothing, really, because there wasn't even Beckett when I started, and I just wanted to complete the set and read the stats on the back. So I think there's, there's a, a couple aspects there. The problem is, back then, we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have social media, the internet. Never mind, we didn't even have the internet, so we couldn't see what other people were doing as closely and therefore we couldn't have those aspirations. So there, I understand there is some truth to that, but it's not, I, I, it doesn't make me think that, that, that it's not something that kids could still enjoy. Uh, thank you, Todd McDonald. Great to have you. Cage is a very insightful guest. Yes, he is. I mean, he's been around the hobby for a long time. That's what it takes to develop insight is experience. And he's got that mad cults says great perspective on the high, low end. Never thought of it like that. I'm glad you like that. Chris C says, good point, James. Kids follow the shiny stuff just like the adults. Well, and listen, that is that is Jeremy. Let me let me let me let me take that just for 30 seconds. Yeah, guys. Also, the wanting is a good thing because kids who can't afford the shiny stuff now, they'll grow up, get a job, and chase it in 20 years. That's me. I mean, in 1993, I was buying packs of tops baseball. I couldn't afford $35 a pack for finest when it came out. I saw adults buying it. I thought it was cool. And when I was starting to make enough money, I was going back and buying the 93 finest refractors and chasing and paying money for them now. So, I mean, it, it, it even kids, right? You can't, they can't, not everybody can buy everything. You know, there's going to be layers for everything, whether it's kids, people who make a lot of money, people who make less money. I understand we want the shiny stuff. That's why Chronicles make sense because it is putting the shine. That's why I use Chronicles as an example. It has prism. It has shiny. It has all of the stuff in kind of like, a, I don't want to call it a dumbed down version, but in a kid priced version. So I think it does work. I understand what you guys are saying. Think of it from another perspective, right? Think of it, what you collect now, maybe part of it is what you couldn't get as a kid. I have a 52 mantle. Because when I used to walk into BNA card store or Newdorp Lane in Staten Island, they had a mantle up there in the case for a thousand dollars. And I used to be like, oh wow, wow, imagine I was rich. I could buy that. So, you know, not being able to buy it as a kid might turn you into a collector who wants to chase it as an adult. And this is my origin story. This is my that's exactly my origin story is that I grew up. Uh, going to going to school with kids that had uh, more financial resources than I did. I'd get I'd get a you know a couple of packs of hockey cards every week, and I'd see my friends getting a whole box of cards of thirty six packs, and I was envious. And none of those kids are collecting today. The ones that I went to school with, I mean, I'm I'm still in touch with some of them. None of them are are collecting. They're they're interested. They think it's cool, but they're not collecting cards. I still am, and I think part of the reason why I still collect cards is this ingrained experience I had as a youngster, which was desiring something more. And now I've got a pretty good collection that I've built up over time. And I'm, it's like, I'm still trying to, maybe I'm still the, the little kid in me is still trying to pursue the cards that I couldn't to compete with these kids. I'm talking, I was eight, nine years old, maybe 12 years old. I'm still maybe competing with those kids today, uh, 40 years later. Like, is that, Part, I think that's part of my the psychology behind why I'm such a, 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 a an ardent collector because I just love and I love I love the cards but I think there you said it really well Cage there's there's a good thing that kids want what they can't have now because it's going to hopefully make them work harder to get it do it the right way the legal way you know and <laughs> and uh, and str- and then when they do have money when they're older they will be fueling the hobby just like I'm a part of I'm one of many people who are fueling the hobby today for 
the same experience that some people are having right now. So great comment, Cage. Thank you, Chris, for bringing that out of us. Uh, DR says, some folks shop at Aldi, others shop at Whole Foods. Either way, you eat food and participate. There are always bargain bins at every show. 100% correct. Larry Morris, welcome, says, been collecting since 1970. If you collect long enough, you end up with value in your collection. It takes time. Patience is not a virtue that many people have right now, <laughs> right? Delayed gratification, no. It's kind of gone the, uh, by the wayside for most people, and it's instant that people crave. So I think it's a great comment, Larry. Uh, I just hope that people can have some patience. Uh, Chris C., I started my in 1987. Unfortunately, my journey began at the start of junk wax. Still think sealed wax and vintage will stand the test of time, especially anything sealed before 1980. Okay, fair enough. And Staven, uh, first one I've caught in a while. Jeremy, great conversation. I'll definitely rewatch the beginning one. Well, welcome back. Good to, good to see you back. Staven Sports Cards. Wow, lots of, lots of stuff, guys. Appreciate all you being here. Okay, you having fun so far? Of course, man. Of course. Loving it. Love the comments. And I mean, you do this. You do this every day, guys. Um, right now on the ticker, you can see where to reach out to me and follow me on various social medias. If you even shop for me on my ComC account, Big Daddy Cool Breeze, that's what my account is called. <laughs> uh, let's throw up, we're going to throw up Cages right now. That's If you're not already following Cage on Instagram, at Cage Lawyer and his podcast, Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My, on all podcast platforms. Cage, that's a great segue. Why do you call your podcast Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My? You know, it's funny. My kids came up with it. And I think, you know, when uh, when we decided, oh, we're going to do a podcast, what the heck should we call it? We had just watched Wizard of Oz and, you know, lions and tigers and bears. And, I, you know, they said, oh, how about, you know, Lucas and tigers and bronze? Oh, my. And that's it. You know, a little uh, – the rest is ancient history. It's funny. A couple years ago, um, July of 2020, when we started the podcast, I didn't know what a podcast was. I was in a IG chat. Andrew was in it. Gary V, you know, Mealy Pops and Slab Stocks and Card Collector 2 and a bunch of, you know, hobby names all in the same group chat. And one week everyone was like, oh, you know, you know, Cage, you got funny stories. You know, he's telling us funny stories. You know, he's going to the basement and selling us cards. You know, my basement's filled with cards. No one ever wanted to buy Drew Bledsoe, though. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you should do a podcast. And I'm like, all right, well, somebody's got to explain to me what a podcast is. And then maybe I'll think about it. And Andrew called me and he's like, I'm going to send you a, a Zoom link. And he sent me a Zoom link the next day. And we recorded three episodes and have done one every day since. So that's, that's kind of. How- because my, my next question that's it. was, that's, it. that's the whole how did, how, how did you and Andrew hook up? Like, how did you because you guys have a chemistry? You guys, I mean, listen, I gotta say, he keeps you un, in control for the most part. He does a great job as the guy on the other side uh, of you, yep. and and you play off him really well. Like, I, I really do. I told you the other day, I'll listen to your podcast, even if I don't care what you're talking about, because I just enjoy <laughs> your banter. And and Appreciate the way you guys are uh, on on your just to listen to is is fun. So yeah, yeah, is it as simple as that? That's how you came how you met yeah, and how you so started? so so if you go back to my Twitter, um, you know, before the podcast, you'll see I was just posting cards. I was grading, you know, just just bulk subs. Um, I was I was killing 2012 prisms, buying them for a dollar. You know, I bought a bunch of Clay Thompsons for you know between two and five dollar base grading them for eight dollars i was in the cards for you know 10 bucks to 13 bucks i remember getting a sub back and i had like you know 21 tens and i posted a picture of them just like a whole array of you know clay psa tens and i did that a couple times and like i said gary v reached out over twitter it was like i want to buy all of these 
I'm like, all right. I think it was before the 19 national at the time. And, um, you know, he was going with cards. You can look back on his thing. It's the, he's in the airport and he's got two cards in his hands. He's got a Jim Brown 58 PSA eight. And he's got a, a, a Jeter tops gold PSA 10. I sold him those cards the day before he got them, you know, and took them to the national. He's holding, I'm like, those are my cards, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I, I went in, I sold him a bunch of stuff, you name it, a lot of stuff that I graded. And uh, he's like, I'm going to get you on Instagram and just get in a group. So I joined Instagram. I had no followers. The first thing I did was in this group and Andrew was in it. I think at the time he may have been working for Gary. Um, you know, I think Andrew's origin story, you'll have him on, I'm sure, is, you know, he was selling the wine brand, the, you know, the, uh, the empathy wines that ultimately Constellation bought for hundreds of millions or whatever it is that he sold. Um, and, uh, yeah, was in there with a bunch of folks and anyone could have sent me a zoom, but this is why it works. A Andrew does not think he just acts. Like, I'll think he'll act. It works. We mesh. It's great. I'll do the thinking. He'll do the acting. He acted. He's like, that's it. Let's go. And we literally just done it ever since. And the funny thing is, is that national of, uh, what was it? 2021 Chicago last year, we had been doing the podcast for a year without ever physically being in the same room. Yeah. When we met that. at national, that was the, a year later was the first time. So you say it's chemistry. Maybe it's built up over time because we were never really in the same place because I, I don't that. know in the first couple months if we were in the same room we might have just got into a couple of fisticuffs and their podcast would have died before it ever started you never know <laughs> well you listen you guys you guys do have a great chemistry you seem to get along, get along really well so two questions number sure. one you have you are over 800 episodes now you guys do at least one a day sometimes you've done more than one a day mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever, ever done three a day perhaps you have <laughs> but my first question is um are you burning out at all and number two do you and Andrew ever disagree and kind of have an argument or fight? So question one, so I'm powered by caffeine. Um, you know, oh, we'll, we'll do this. So when we finish here, whatever time it is, it's, I'm on the East Coast, it's 11 something. I'll start doing research for tomorrow's whatnot show at 11 a.m. where I do picks and plays and all that stuff. Um, and I'll roll out of that, watch some football. I think there's a card show. I don't know if you're a wrestling guy. Tatanka. Is gonna be at uh, <laughs> is gonna be yeah he's like a dog chasing a frisbee exactly uh, so I'm gonna go to a card show and then I'll start prepping for the collectible episode where we do you know the fractional before the opening bell so I don't get burnt out I love this stuff I mean you know if, if there was a way to just do this you know instead of the nine to five and this I could probably do five episodes a day because yeah. um, you know when when you love it right what's the Walt Disney quote right when you when you when you find the job you love you never work a day in your life. I really do enjoy doing this, um, you know, talking to, you know, all, all the folks that are in our group chats, all the people who send me DMs. Like I literally, I don't, I won't go to sleep. I know it's been a long, but I'll have, you know, DMs. I won't sleep until they're all answered. I'll go, you know, I make sure they're all responded to. So yeah, I'll never get burnt out. As far as do we have arguments? I don't know that we have a conversation without having an argument in it. And oh, yeah. I think that's part of why it works, right? I mean, I don't know if I could sit down now and and create out of thin air uh, a human being that's opposite, more opposite from me. I don't think I create one more opposite from me than Andrew. Um, you know, head in the clouds versus feet completely cemented to the ground. You know, big ideas versus you know, let's let's take 
let's take a pause and you know, jump in with both feet before looking versus, okay, we're going to plan this out with blueprints like an architect. And, you know, I guess when you have somebody who's, you know, just slamming the brakes while the other person is slamming the gas, maybe you move at the right pace. Right, right, right. Well said, well said right there. You mentioned uh, you do the collectible before the opening bell of the fractional. You guys do that once a week. You are, uh, you are, that is sponsored content by collectible. Yep. Coincidence. I also do a sponsored show by collectible called collectible live on Sundays. Let's chat a little bit about getting paid to, let's just really bluntly getting paid to do some content. We both fit into that bucket. We both earn some income by uh by doing content for some companies we're both i think we both actually do sponsor content by pwcc as well correct? Yep, correct yeah so we have a couple of the same sponsors if you will um i wanted to ask you because i deal with it we i think we all deal with it and i, I today i received one of the best comments by dm on instagram that i've ever received as a and i've, re- I've received a lot of you know like like very nice comments on on my on my content but i received one today that i'd never received before and and i asked the guy after i said hey do you mind if i share this on instagram because you know i want to kind of call attention to it because there's a lot of there's i'm seeing a lot of content right now where you know one of my favorite podcasts is the 615 collector they, these guys do a great job I, I really enjoy it at the beginning of every episode they say and and i for I, this isn't verbatim but they basically say i'm paraphr- paraphrasing uh, and don't worry, we are not paid or sponsored by anybody. So you can be sure that our our content is unbiased and and you know objective and of our own opinions. And I think that's great that they do that and they say that there's nothing wrong with that. I've also seen some Instagram posts lately saying, you know, keep in mind whenever you're consuming content from somebody who is paid for that content, you know, be careful. They have other motives or something like that. And I think there's some some validity to that as well. And I. I basically made a post today and said, hey, first of all, the highest praise I could I could receive as a paid or sponsored content creator is when someone tells me that they felt that what I delivered on my in my content was was, you know, my own opinions. I was fair on both sides of things. I, I wasn't just uh, wasn't just promoting or trying to bring in bids on a PWCC auction or trying to sell an IPO on collectible. I was giving my fair and honest opinions. And um and as I said, it was a great comment to receive because that's what I strive to do. And you would know as well as I do, Cage, that these two companies, Collectible and PWCC, they don't want us to just come out and, and shill their product. They've told me very clearly, you tell, you talk about what you like and what you don't like. Like, we want you to be your authentic self. That's why we're working with you because you're authentic. So um, all that's sorry, that's a big dump there. But that just literally happened uh, today when I got that comment. So all that said, to set the context cage, how do you deal with remaining objective when you're doing shows that you're getting paid to do? I mean, it's a great question. Noob, Nike Rare Air, who sent it to you, Mark. Right. Nice comment. We love it. I mean, glad you glad you you know you had that. It made Jeremy smile. It um, did. It, yeah. For sure, it did. Mark's a, Mark's a smart guy. Um, knows the stuff. You know, been on Varney. Not just Ken. He's been on Varney himself. So he's a smart guy. He knows his stuff. So it's coming from a good place. So how do we do that? Um, it's pretty straightforward. couple things. Number one, we have not had a meeting with a sponsor, potential sponsor, partner, you name it, where the first sentence out of our mouths wasn't, um, 
we are going to say what we think. You're not going to pay us to say something different. Um, collectible, especially you brought them up. Um, you know, if you listen to our collectible episodes, I think more often than not, I'm saying something is not a good buy. Um, I'm saying something is overpriced based on comps, you name it. And that's kind of what they asked us to do. Um, you know, be honest. Uh, otherwise, I mean, first of all, it's the only way I know how to be, right? You, you know, you, you lose credibility if you're if you take a dollar and say something that just just make any sense. I'm not here for that. I mean, I, Jeremy, I, I make I make a good living, you know, outside of outside of the hobby. Um, you know, the hobby's great and all, and you know, it's great to make money. You know, to be able to talk about something that I love, but you know, I'm I'm never gonna lie. I mean, I just don't do it. It's not part of what I do. Um, so any partner that has a problem with that. We just don't sign on with, you know, I mean, you know, we will do this only if we're allowed to say what we think. I mean, I, we recorded the PWCC episode today um, about tomorrow's weekly episode. And I talked about a couple of cards that I thought, you know, I, I wouldn't want this in my collection. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those one of those things. Um, you know, you have to you have to play it down the middle. Otherwise, no one's going to listen. You know, you have no value then anyway. People can see right through that in the hobby, you know, in today's world. Um, you know, if you're not found out today, you're going to be found out tomorrow. You're going to be found out. So you might as well just be your honest self that we have nothing to hide. It's one of those Mark Twain things, right? He used to say, you know, uh, if you don't ever lie, you don't have to have a great memory, right? It's, you know, you might as well just tell the truth. So that's one. Number two, I think, and this will apply to you also, um, as far as taking money. The best part about it is I've never taken a dollar from any of the thousands of people who listen to the content and neither of you. You know, we could we could do it a different way and be behind a paywall and do, you know, what do they call this? Uh, Patheon. I don't even know what the hell it's called because we never even looked into it. But there's, you know, you got to pay for a VIP club. You got to pay for this. You got to pay to listen to this special episode. There's some word for it. Some, I don't even know what it's called. But there's, you know, some people have podcasts you have to pay to listen to. Instead, what I would say is we have partners because by doing that, we're able to keep 800 episodes, an episode a day for thousands of people. I mean, we've, we've, I think we're approaching, if we haven't passed across all platforms, a million downloads, a million. And we've never charged a dollar for that. We've never monetized it. We've never put an advertisement in any of it outside of what we do with our, um, you know, hobby corporate partners. So, you know, I don't view it as, well, I'm taking money here. I got to go out there and say something we would just not take that money. And we also, I'll tell you, we've passed on more sponsors than we've taken. Um, maybe for that reason, maybe not, you know I mean? You know, there is obviously there's something to be said. I mean, I listen to Dr. James Beckett. I love the guy. The fact that he's so credible, nobody cares that he starts off his 10 minute podcast with eight minutes of sponsors. <laughs> I'm, I'm obviously making a little bit of fun there, yeah. but you understand what I'm saying, right? People don't care that he, he is basically a NASCAR car with sponsors, you know, all the people he thanks, all the people he says, because he is who he is. And, you know, that's something you kind of shoot for also. When you have that kind of an impeachable name in the hobby, that kind of credibility, you've dealt with enough people who know you're not going to screw them over. You're not going to lie. You're going to be a straight shooter and tell it how it is. It shouldn't make a difference that you take a dollar from a corporate sponsor to allow you to keep your stuff free for everybody else who's consuming it. Well said, well said. One well, caveat to that is that we well on youtube we do take the odd dollar when somebody gives you uh i forget what it's even called i don't get many of them uh on it's my like a channel. tip 
yeah, you get you get a tip. I, I, once in a while, someone shoots you five, ten, twenty bucks. It's much appreciated. So, but again, I got to figure small. out how to do that. I want that yeah. money. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Give me that paper. And some guys make a lot of money do, with, with those uh, super chats. They're called with super chats. Um, so you can get that, but that it, it's minor. It's uh, very minor in the whole scheme of things. But you're right. We we do make some money with sponsors uh, by doing sponsored content, like the specific sponsored content as well. And like you, uh, any sponsor that would would want me to say something that I don't believe in uh, would not be uh, welcome to be. I would not align my brand with theirs. It's just not the way that that I do. And like you, I get. It seems like I get an email almost every day by somebody asking if if they can partner up. And um, you know, you got to be very selective with who you're going to partner with. And I like to know the people behind those brands too, to make sure that I know it's not just a brand, but the people I want to know them and be comfortable with them because people can go in any direction at any time, a lot of times. So it's important to, to do your due diligence as well. Okay. Let's keep on going. We'll come back to some more stuff. Daniel, a amazing episode. Can't stop thinking about mortal Kombat When I see Johnny's no. name, I think people think your name is Johnny. Mortal Kombat. I love that. Andy Keenan, why does the hockey market not get its due, but F1 and soccer have exploded? Great question. I don't know. And, you know, I'm a hockey guy first and foremost. I love all the sports, including F1. I don't, I, soccer is, is the lowest on my totem pole. But, uh, Cage, uh, any quick, succinct reason in yep. your mind why the hockey yeah, market Yeah, I'll keep get it under due? 60 seconds. Uh, we talked this week on our show a couple times about creative pricing and how when something is new or fresh to the hobby, people are able to tell stories about it and basically make pricing up, whether it's a one of one, something that's new, something that hasn't sold before. F1 and soccer both fall into that category. While there are random Alifa Baloge cards in the 50s, and there's random stickers and stuff overseas with Panini stuff, for the most part, there wasn't a mainstream soccer set. Same thing with F1. Sure, you have the Futera stuff and, you know, the Sports Illustrated for kids, Lewis Hamilton and, and the like, but those both you know, those both exploded onto the mainstream with top sets. Soccer has some old World Cup sets, but, you know, they have now tops. Hockey's been here. Hockey's been here all along. There's vintage hockey. There's hockey, you know, way back in the day. You know, there's hockey cards that are over 100 years old, and there's continuous hockey sets. There were hockey cards when I was a kid. So you don't have the same creativity that you're able to do with the pricing of it this explosion there's only a few sets for everybody who's trying to get it that you have with f1 and with soccer yeah it's almost it's almost taken for granted you know it's uh where soccer and f1 like you said kind of brand new to the card scene for the most part mainstream today wise all right cool uh card amigo says when you guys started collecting did you walk to school uphill both ways in the snow every day even the well, summer. I actually did in the eighties. <laughs> I did, but yes, that's what happens when you, uh, as, as life goes on, you gain more experience and then younger people like to call you out on it. Right. That's yeah. Yeah, I did it to my mom too. So I totally get it. Ken Wood, nice comment here says, Hey guys, Jeremy, thanks for having cage on tonight. I really appreciate his expertise, not only tonight, but on Luca tiger, LeBron podcast. That's pretty cool. Thanks, Ken. Thank you for that comment. Ken Wood. Uh, Skim Nut Hits and Chick says, we see the same cards in these auctions every week. It needs to stop. That's not going to happen. It's not going to stop until sellers decide to stop selling. It's We often tend to put the blame on the auction houses for offering too many cards, but I think that it's in, in their financial best interest to just offer the cards as they come in. And it's also really not up to them to control the the market that would be like we don't like we we don't like when we consider a grading company could be controlling the population we frown down on population control 
I think we should frown down on auction company control as well and let the market be what it is, even if we don't like the results of it sometimes. Cage, any comment? I think you hit the nail exactly on the head. It's not if the cards are in the auction every week, it's because people are putting them in the auction every week. It's only one way to change that, and it's eventually the price on those cards will hit a level that people don't want to sell them anymore. Right. I think you'll yep. see the 86 Fleer Jordan will eventually hit a level. You know, it's still creeping down, but eventually it'll hit a number where people are like, I'm not selling mine for that price anymore. I might have paid more than that. And that's when you'll see it start to turn. So exactly. I love the hits and chicks. I love the comment. But I think, you know. It's the people who are putting it in the auction house, not the auctions. That you know, that and and it. and that's what hits and chicks may be getting at too, right? So yep. I, I just took it to that extra level. All right, Chris C says I think many of us share a personal attachment to their cards. I remember mowing lawns as a kid to buy an upper deck Ken Griffey Jr. Still own it to this day. Great chat and insight. Thank you guys. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Chris. Uh, I think that's a that's a lot to do with why Chris might. I don't know if he does or doesn't, but might still collect Ken Griffey Jr. to this day. But that would be reasonable. Daniel A says my advice to kids is love the hobby first, make friends in the hobby, ask a lot of questions. This is a great community. <coughs> well said, Daniel A. Thank you for that. Bob's Big Boy says, Jim Brown is the Mickey Mantle of the football market. Iconic rookie card from the 50s, and his cards have been immune to any market corrections. Gives credibility to the buy vintage crowd. Yeah, well said. That's one card, but I'm with you for certain right there. Francesco wants to know, what are the top five hobby-related YouTube youtube or podcast that you guys listen to i i love the question but i also don't like it i don't want to leave out number six who might be yeah. a good friend of mine so i'm not gonna answer but i'll tell you because i mentioned them both tonight the 615 collector and lucas tigers and bronze i'll i'll stop there but i do listen to more anyone you'd like to shout out or, or not cage you know we're busy making our own content so i don't really listen to too much if i'm being honest i listen to your show every now and again i'll throw on the sports card nonsense guys me and Gio kind of get after it here and there as we did on the Aaron judge stuff recently um yeah i mean and listen how about this top five everybody knows the names how about some shout outs to some guys that you know you don't know how about you know manny and reckless on the thick thick pod and we got double coverage down in australia Mm -hmm. Two of my favorites. You know, you know, they might not get the views and the likes they do, but the double coverage guys are holding it down over there. And uh, you know, give a shout out to to Manny and, and Reckless. They're starting their thing. Maybe um, you know, I think it's funny as hell. I watch it. Good. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you shouted out some of the less sort of prominent podcasters. Listen, and, and they can gain prominence. It just it comes down to authentic being authentic, being consistent, and having some knowledge about your subject matter if you have those three things you're you could be a successful podcaster how can you not pull for a podcast called the thick boys <laughs> i mean come and on a good now. name a good name <laughs> too, for sure what's up baz uh welcome to the show uh craig booge says would you be critical of pwcc scandals shill bidding well first of all i i mean uh critical sure um but I am a firm believer that any consignment seller deals with shill bidding by their consigners. I don't think they are shill bidding themselves. I think that people love to hate on certain certain sellers, and I think it's a group think uh, sort of thing. And there's a lot of false narrative and uh, and a lack of evidence. So show some evidence. Otherwise, uh, yeah, we're not even going to talk about it any more than that. Unless Cage, you want to add something? Sure. I was collecting. During the time where, you know, there were some fun things going on at PWCC and I could speak to my, you know, my actual experience with them. Um, you know, it wasn't them. They weren't 
trimming the cards themselves. They weren't cleaning the cards themselves. They weren't restoring the cards themselves. I mean, an auction house, things are in slabs, things are graded. I actually happened to buy a card, um, you know, that they they sold, and there was a whole a blowout, whatever the heck it is. I call them up. I said, hey, this card's being flagged. Full refund. Take it back. Here you go. No problem. So what, what I can speak to on PWCC is, you know, their customer service, second to none. I know we obviously are sponsored by them. I would tell you that's probably why we're sponsored by them, because I have years of experience dealing with them. Um, so I already know going in that it's something I could put my name to. Um, I've had dealings with them. And even when the going is not good, even when, you know, they are embroiled in something that might not even be their fault, they're doing the right thing. They did the right thing by me personally. So I can I can speak to that and tell people who listen to our show that they would do the right thing by them. And now, I mean, come on, PWCC, you know, what I love about them is their team, right? Who doesn't want to hang out with like Eric Myers and Jesse and the crew, right? So... It's a great group of guys and girls over there. I've met several now, and uh, I honestly couldn't be couldn't. I mean, there's other great companies in the hobby. I think they're a great company overall, and I and I have friends that work there who I talk to who just they they're living in a they're living the dream right now, working at this company. Talking talking about the culture and just how smart people are over there and how they're looking to do the right thing. So again, yes. You know, we are both sponsored. We both we both take money from them to do content. Not tonight. This show tonight is not sponsored by PWCC. <laughs> Only once a month do I get sponsored. Am I sponsored by PWCC? But all that said, I have chosen to align my name, my brand with theirs, and I am I'm proud of it. And just because there's a contingent of people that like to crap on certain companies and brands and people in our hobby. Uh, that, that that's not going to shake me at all. I, I'm 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 a big enough boy to decide who and who I want to do business with, and and for what I think are pretty good reasons. Okay, keeping on going. Uh, thank you, Victory Investments. Our, our good friend Sean says two hobby podcast titans right here. That's very nice. Thank you, Sean. Always good to see you. Joe Perot says it's helpful to recall the principle of supply and actual demand. Great show, guys. Thank you so much, Joe. And whiz pulls just gives us the old. Uh, What's up, fellas? Good to see you, Wiz Pulse. Thank you for joining. So I wanted to talk about this next cage, which is another pod, I guess, podcaster, but <coughs> excuse me, YouTuber, uh, a guy who who I know through a couple of a couple of uh, uh, platforms. One is Instagram and a, a, a group of collectors that are in a private chat. Um, and then I also had him on Collectible Live once. His name is Brian Dennison, and he goes by Cajun Collector. And Brian, Brian is a guy who came out of nowhere, I, not even a year ago, with his YouTube show. And he's put a lot of effort into it. Even from the beginning, I remember him saying, hey, okay, guys, don't worry. I'm getting new equipment next week. It's going to be better. And then he got the new equipment, and his production value just went up. It got better. He does a lot of content. He's a basketball guy through and through. He can, I think he can really only talk about basketball. I've never heard him talk about another sport. But this guy can talk about basketball not because he's been following the hobby through the lens of sports cards for 30 or 40 years, but because he knows the sport of basketball. He can coach it. He can scout it. He can tell. He he can compare players in different eras. I mean, that's obviously a challenge, but he can do all these things, and he can pick out a player that has potential because he knows how. He can actually scout basketball, and yep. like the guy knows the sport. 
he's done this podcast. He's done a great job. He's kind of blown up as quick as you really can these days with all that, you know, in, in this uh, very competitive market of hobby content. <clears throat> but the reason I'm bringing up Brian Cajun Cardboard is because he recently joined your Lucas Tigers and Bronze uh, network. He's now a part of your team. Yep. And I think that's really cool. I'm a fan of your guys. I'm a fan of his. I think it's a, a great partnership. But can you just talk about why are you bring? Why did you bring Cajun Cardboard into your fold? And does it play into a bigger strategy of some sort of expansion? Or where are you going with this down the road? Sure, sure. I mean, listen, if uh, you know, if if a team has a chance to sign Michael Jordan, you do everything you can to sign Michael Jordan. That's kind of what it comes down to, right? Um, high gonna- praise, high praise, right there for Brian. Yeah, I mean, he's going to love it too because he likes, he loves Jordan, right? So, no, but I mean, so, so what I would say is that Andrew and I spent a lot of time, you know, creating a show here that I, I liken to, you know, Monday Night Football. Um, but in reality, you know, what the, what the goal here now is, is to, to build the whole network. It's to build ESPN, it's to build, you know, a, a whole network. Um, Brian is just the start of that. Obviously, you know, when you want to go out there and, and, and build a show around basketball cards, you want to find somebody who can speak to basketball cards. And I don't think there's anybody out there who can speak to basketball cards any better than Brian. That is, I mean, look football right now, but when basketball starts, basketball is what moves this hobby right now from an ultra modern perspective. You know, that's what, that's what, you know, created this boom, you know, from LeBron to, you know, Luca, Zion, Ja, you name it. It's basketball cards through and through. No offense to hockey. Of course, I know that's no, a close, I, close second. I, I agree. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, we, we want to have a show with him and we want to, uh, you know, we want to make sure that we build up a network that has, you know, basically one stop shopping for anybody's hobby content. And we are not stopping with Ryan. There'll be another announcement very soon. Um, and then another announcement after that. And you're going to see, you know, several shows under the, uh, you know, the Luca Nation Network brand and, uh, you know, all free. All free to the people who are who are you know out there listening, and that way you know you know where to look, and um, you know if you want to talk about non-sport Marvel TCG, you'll know which Luca Nation network person to talk about that. Football cards, there'll be a person speaking about that. Maybe maybe in the short order, sports betting and fantasy, and you name it. Because like you said in the beginning of this, like a Seinfeld episode, we're bringing it all the way back, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe this is just like sports betting. Maybe it becomes popular like fantasy. Maybe it's all the same stuff. But anyway, that that is the grand design. We've started at that. It, you know, we 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 don't rush into anything. I personally won't allow it. So everything is thought out. Everything is planned. Everything's done. You know, with uh, you know, with with good intentions and good reasons. And you know, Brian is a consummate professional. He's an attorney. Um, you know, he went out and did almost 150 pieces of content before joining us. You know what he can do. You know what his content's going to be like. Um, there are very few people out there putting out, you know, the the kind of content and the amount of content that he's putting out. We know a little something about that as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And, hey, cool. I, I mean, if you know anybody who knows hockey and, you know, wants to be like a uh, like a visiting member of Luca Nation, you know, we could talk. All right. Well, you know, there's probably a few guys listening right now. There are some, there are some new hockey card centric, newish podcasts that are out. My guy Lapper does one. Hockey card Gong Show. These guys have started up. They do a great job. There's more now than there's ever been, and uh, maybe one of those. I mean, I might have to call you before they do, though. That's the thing. If I if I want to fill that seat, we'll have to see. But I appreciate the comment. Let's uh, let's switch it up a little bit. <clears throat> the title of the episode actually was. 
what's kind of the most scary, what's the most exciting thing going on in the hobby right now. So I'm going to pose to you the first question, which is what scares you the most about the hobby right now? Whew. I guess I, I should have thought about that one ahead of time. What scares me the most about the hobby? Um, I don't want the same stuff to repeat that happened in the in the 90s, the last time there was a bubble and then kind of, you know, a retreat because a lot of people left. Um, and a lot of people, um, you know, had a lot of money invested in cards uh, that were so high pop, so just mass produced that they almost became worthless. Um, and I hope that a couple things happen differently this time around. You know, the manufacturers are smarter. You know, we have the Internet, eBay and much more liquidity and, and you name it, um, you know, grading, which didn't exist. I mean, it was so, there's a lot of differences that I think will, you know, will change that. But, you know, we've we've really built this thing up huge. And a lot of the people who have come in are they're making big bets on unproven players. And, you know, I guess what I'm most fearful about is, you know, losing a big segment of the people who have come in. The funny thing is that I know there are people listening to this or who will watch this and say that that's not even the worst thing that could happen. It might actually be a good thing. It kind of cleans out a lot of the gambling, you know, the high risk stuff. But to me, that's the scary part only because I just don't want to see anybody get hurt. It comes out in my content. It's kind of why I tell people to sell Aaron Judge instead of buying right now. And, you know, it's it's like I say, the risk management in me. The scariest thing to me is, you know, seeing people spend six figures on guys who have played for like four minutes. I know. Um, so that's that's what scares me a little bit. Although, I, I, you know, the flip side and someone can make a very good argument. That's it is also some of the most exciting stuff in the hobby right now. You know, somebody buying this guy and then, you know, Josh Allen taking off or, you know, like somebody making their bet on Trevor Lawrence and he goes out there, you know, a couple straight weekends and five touchdowns maybe, you know. So I get the other side of the coin. To me, that's the scariest part. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's quite reasonable. It's a good thing to be scared of. Your comments about, you know, why you tell people to sell Aaron Judge right now, That's I think that's great advice. It's the best advice right now. I remember – Last November, December, when Steph Curry was just a, encroaching on the three-point record, and you know his cards were going up and up and up, and a buddy of mine said, "Hey, are you going to buy a Steph Curry? It's almost out of reach." I said, "No, not now." I said, "I'm going to wait ten months. I'm going to get a better deal ten months from now." Well, guess what? You can get a better deal now than you could ten months ago. Now that might have that might because of be because of implications in the overall trending of the market, but I don't think so. I think it's all sort of a interrelated there so um okay before we get to the second question which is what are you most excited about in the hobby right now i'm going to go to a couple of quick comments here from the chat the first one is going to be uh jg said oh sorry not that one uh darren says i think he's talking about you with respect to hockey in the in the hobby okay <laughs> uh, chris c says until we get actual print runs we are still just guessing on the actual number of cards produced currency <clears throat> should be the norm i could not agree with that more I think I would like to know the print run of everything. I would like even a range would be kind of cool to know. I think that the card companies have thought long and hard about it, and they have some some real um, that reasons they think are good reasons not to share at all. I'm happy to leave it at that. Cage, anything uh, anything you'd like to add though? No, I mean, listen, <clears throat> we don't talk digital. Nobody wants to talk about NFTs and holding. But one of the things that drew me, and I'm probably too early in it, to like a Panini digital which is just a, you know, a digital version of the card, is that everything is numbered. So their base cards are numbered out of like 1,799. So you know 
how many there are, you know what the supply is, and they just now have to solve for demand. It's a very different world than the car. I just don't think physical car collectors are ready for it yet. But yeah, I mean that it drew me to that because yes, you know, you, we should know how many cards are out there. Even in the '90s, you could kind of figure out approximately how much stuff was being produced based on the pack odds. You know, yeah. if this was one out of twenty-four, and then they were, you know, there's a hundred of them or whatever, you could kind of figure it out. You can't do that anymore. You know, yeah. so yeah, I, Chris, I, I think I agree. Yeah, same here. Same here. Mark Santucci says, nothing scares me. The most exciting vintage baseball, football, and hockey cards, players of the 70s. Okay, right. good. I think he's saying that's the exciting. He's saying that's- nothing scares him, but exciting is he likes the base. I mean, listen, if you're if you're sticking with vintage, nothing should scare you um, because you're you're sacrificing explosive upside for not having any real potential massive downside. That's the difference with vintage, right? Exactly. So uh, a couple of comments similar to Aaron Judge. Uh, Darren says, sell Pujols too. Chris C says, same with Pujols regarding Curry. I 100% agree. Now, I own a Pujols SP Authentic uh, rookie in PSA 9. And the smart move would be to sell it now and buy it back a year from now for, you know, 60% of today's price. That will happen. I can almost guarantee that will happen. Am I going to go do that? No, probably not. I just, I just, I don't play that game. You know, I probably should. I'm probably not smart enough to do it, or or too lazy to to do it to allocate time to that. But it would probably be the right move. Uh, Steven says valid concern, but instead of protecting another market collapse, I just hope the people in power just focus on making the best product and building a positive community. Be proactive uh, versus reactive. I think that's a good com. I think that's a, a good Nirvana sort of situation to be in. Cage, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead to what the most exciting thing is, but it is a great reaction to to that. Um, you know, the most exciting. I'm, I'm going to jump ahead, Let's Jeremy. Go sorry. ahead. Let's say. Let, let me ask you the question. Let me ask you the Shoot. question. Hey, yeah, what excites you the most about the hobby right now going forward? Yeah, I mean, it's it's right from that comment. The community. So, you know, what scared me the most was the '90s. There was no community around cards. You know, you were a kid, and every once in a while, you got to go to a card show. And the next thing you know, the card show you used to be going to all the time to pick out all your cool cards was selling Beanie Babies, and no one wanted your cards anymore. Um, and you really couldn't go online and do anything about it. You couldn't, you know, I mean, you were looking for a Dan Marino card. It was either at the show, at your LCS, or you didn't know any better. You wanted to know how much it was worth. Okay, you know, Beckett Magazine came a month later. And, you know, even though someone was injured, there was still an up arrow um, just because you couldn't keep up with the times. Now, not only do we have tech, the community is what excites me the most. Because look, take it from a guy who is – only feeling young on this particular episode. Sorry, Jeremy. But <laughs> I'm an old man in the hobby. I mean, really, I mean, I know what a podcast was, and now I have one. You know, somebody explained what Bitcoin was. The fact that I was investing in, you know, digital items and you name it over the last couple of years is just, uh, you know, astounding to me. And I attribute all of that to the hobby community that's out there, the community that, you know, different podcasts, different content, different companies are out there building, um, getting to meet folks at, you know, at shows, you know, and just having the ability to just pick up your phone and talk to somebody about it that we didn't have that, you know, when you were younger or, you know, the last time there might've been this blow up and, and down cycle, you know, you were sitting in your house saying, all right, I better sell this before it's nothing. Now you got a card. You can go on and listen to people talk about it 
and go on and ask a question to Jeremy in his live and say, hey, I own this card. What do you think? Or send them a DM. Send me a DM. You know, send anyone a DM. You have a, a group that you talk to. Hey, guys, you know, that card, what do you think? Should I sell my poo holes? What do you think it's worth? You name it. And it's almost like a built-in kind of support network combined with fun, combined with, you know, this, I mean, it's a community. That's the thing that excites me the most about this and what I think provides a nice, real nice safety net for this time around and probably a springboard to grow on as we grow that community around, you know, around collectibles. It's what excites me the most. It's, it's what I love the most. And, you know, just to kind of, you know, again, piggyback on the sponsorships, you know, this coming year, as we're partnering with people, we're actually focusing on taking less money and having our partners work with us to build things that provide more value for our audience. That cigar night, which we didn't get to talk about at all. Maybe we'll get into it or not, but we're planning on rolling those out multiple times in the coming 12 months at different shows that we've never been to before. And our partners want to do that so that our, you know, listeners, Tiger NFTs, you know, people who listen to the, you know, the, the show are able to kind of rub elbows with hobby liberties like yourself and, you know, get that experience just, you know, just because they listen to us. So, you know, we like that. We want to, we want to provide value to our audience and continue to keep building the community around the hobby. Yeah, that's great answers. Great answers. As you've been talking, I've been thinking about how I would, and I haven't thought about this until right now myself. But for me, um, I'm going to take I'm going to take a stab at these questions too, Cage, sure. and share, share my thoughts. So I think what scares me the most about the and I'm not going to take your answers because uh, they're great, but I'm going <laughs> to be I'm going to be a little bit unique here and, and not copy you. What scares me the most about the hobby is that there's a is that I see a lot of hobbyists who have platforms uh, like Instagram and others, YouTube, that seem hell-bent on just killing the hobby. I, I think there's too many people who are almost cancers within the hobby. They don't realize it. They think they're doing a lot of good. And in some in some cases, perhaps they are. But I think there's a lot of people who are uh, just trying to kill it, trying to kill it, scare people off and all that. There's a difference between between scaring somebody off with, good information and scaring somebody off with bad information and i'd uh or providing good information to caution people versus scaring people off with bad information i'd like to see more of the former versus the latter that's what scares me about the hobby is that everybody has a voice and i don't think everybody should have one uh all the time and then what excites me the most about the hobby this one should be obvious to anyone who knows what i'm up to right now but is the in really the introduction of automated AI type grading companies like the one I'm working for now, tag, tag grading. I'm very excited by the, at the prospect of having consistent, reproducible and accurate grading um, that is non-human generated where people, where it's, it's completely objective and still in line with generally accepted grading standards. So not coming up with a new grading scale, just applying what we expect the card to look like if it's an excellent or, or good, or near mint, or gem mint, uh, to be to be to come up the same grade, but with more consistency and less human involvement. I'm really excited by that. Obviously, I've I've uh, made it my career, so I'm obviously that obviously that excites me, and it's something that I'm uh, might might be. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way, but definitely not the same answer you came up with, Cage. So I'm uh, I'm happy. Well, to I, I actually it. like I'm your I like your scaring answer. I mean, it's funny, and the only thing I'll say about it, and I know, <clears throat> know exactly what you're talking about and probably who you're talking about, um, you know, I look right into the camera and speak to those guys, you know, the, the ones that are, you know, looking to kind of kill the hobby, burn it down. Um, you know, when you try to burn something down, people can't look away from a forest fire, yeah. right? 
So you're going to get the clicks, you're going to get the views, you're going to get the watches, and it takes one night for it to burn down. But the damage that gets caused takes years to grow back. No one wants to put in the time to actually grow something. It's easy. It's the easy way out to burn something down. But it's quick. Yeah, and it and it gets clicks, and it uh, it's all that. So I hear you on that for sure. Um, okay, couple. I'm going to run through some comments here relatively quick. Francesco says, "What can fanatics do to make the hobby better than the status quo? New innovations, even subtractions going forward. I mean, listen, if they can bring down the price by by eliminating some levels of distribution, which is going to hurt some people badly, but maybe help the the greater hobby. I don't know. I'll have to see how it plays out. Maybe that you know." Getting kids involved more than they already are definitely important. Um, I, I'll stop there, Cage. Yeah, anything you, that comes to mind. Prism. They need to make fanatics prism. Prism. They do that for me, and they got it. No, uh, I think it is um, addition by subtraction. I think ultimately, when fanatics has everything, because I do think they'll have the license for everything, they can just bring licensed products for every sport and use the best stuff. So you can have football where you're having prism and chrome and some high level you know whether it's national treasures you name it you don't need the million other things that are out there right i think they can combine that do the iconic brands have something small have a bunch of middle of the road something high that's how i would do it yeah i I understand that i think if they do that though they're gonna have to because if they do let's say 10x is their goal for for Mm -hmm. hobby participants from where it is today 10 times what we have today even if they get to four or five times, they're going to have to supply that demand somehow. That is just going to mean increasing the print runs on that fewer set of products, that 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 smaller portfolio of product lines. That's not going to be an end well either, I don't yeah. think, because now people aren't going to be happy with the long-term value. So maybe they will, maybe they won't. Let's, this is this could be a whole episode, a whole two-hour discussion, yeah. but uh, and I, we'd have to think it through a bit further. But let's keep on going. Pokey Lad says, "Cage, the goat of the hobby." Pokey uh, Lads. I mean, considering you've got like guys like Doctor Beckett in the discussion, I mean, that's a pretty <laughs> that's that's high praise. I'll Cage. take it. For somebody, I just crossed three thousand followers today. That's a goat status right there. Thank you guys. I Congrats, appreciate buddy. it. <laughs> uh, Bob's Big Boy says, "Many have fear." about fanatics becoming frictionless, which means fewer middlemen and less margin. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's what I was talking about. And, uh, you know, they've already cut off one distributor that I'm aware of, and who knows if more is to come. Uh, Kootenai Card says, the term hobby liberty scares me. That's him. That's Jeremy right there. He's a no, hobby liberty. That's your term. That's your term. <laughs> that's what I, I called you. you hobby did. liberty. There we are. <laughs> you did. You know what I mean. I do. What's up, Jordan Hudson says, Cage, what's good, my man? Jay Lee, the man. Thank you, Jordan. Great to see you. Uh, Bob's Big Boy says, love tag and rare edition, both very innovative and high quality. Cool. Mike says, uh, looking forward to seeing more from tag. And I can tell you guys, I'm starting to see tag cards out in the wild just just today uh, and yesterday on Instagram and so forth. And I think they'll be starting to some starting to hit uh, eBay pretty soon. So check it out. It's uh, it's coming. It's coming. Um Larry Morris says, get my first sub back this week. I'm excited. I'm a, and I'm a red tag guy. I think what he's saying is he's getting his first tag sub back and he's a PSA guy traditionally. Well, thanks for giving us, giving us a try, Larry, if that is what you meant. Um, and Tom Bullard says, if talking SCR, I think he's talking about uh, sports card radio there. He says, I appreciate watchdogs and whistleblowers calling out bad actors and scammers isn't bad, nor trying to burn the hobby down. It's actually trying to protect and help educate new hobbyists, in my opinion. 
Yeah, that's. I mean, if that's in response to what I was saying, that's not what that that's not what I was saying at all. Um, I, I was not even thinking about sports card radio when I made my comments. They were, they, they were not in my mind whatsoever. I, I, um, I find myself very entertained, and you know, I think when I've seen some of their content, um, especially that last one. What was the topic? Uh, oh, that 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 fanatics is buying Panini. I watched it. I'm entertained. Those they. they, they just the way they inflect their voices is is entertaining, and yeah. these guys are experienced hobbyists, right? So, yeah. so I'm gonna listen. But you know, if they're talking about, uh, if they're speculating that Fanatics is gonna buy Panini, which everyone's been expecting for so long anyway, um, until it happens, I'm I'm, I'm gonna wait till it happens till they announce it. But are they? Do I? And anyway, I mean, they're, I actually they're like sports guard radio. I watch yeah. that stuff, and sometimes they put like you know other. They'll put like you know like the 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 Hollywood Squares and like you know all these different hobby celebrities. I'm going to use the term, and I'm like, where am I? Like, I wish I was in there. You know, I kind of <laughs> I want I want to be involved. No, I think they they actually do a, a, a relatively good job. I was not thinking about them either, Tom. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, just doing it for the sake of doing it is no good. Um, you know, AIH, I think does a good job with data. You know what I mean? Like he has interesting points, but he backs them up. You know what I mean? So it's just that the folks are out there. Who's that? Who's that? Sorry. AIH. He's hey, the, uh, he's the hobby hanky panky guy. That's his, that's his big phrase. Oh, I've seen A-I-H. hanky panky. I've seen yeah. the hanky panky term. Okay, cool. I'll have hobby to check Hank. that out. <laughs> I'll definitely have to check that out. Um, Tom Bullard says, I enjoy many aspects and creators in the hop. Yeah, as you should, right? Get a well-rounded, like no, no one person out here, uh, that does content is going to provide you a well enough rounded, uh, curriculum or, or library of information. Listen, uh, that, I, I that Lee, you're right. But I think, you know what people, I mean, generally speaking, I think they, they come from a good place. Even the hobby watchdog types, even the guys who are very critical. I mean, you know, Ziggy. There's one, right? I, you know, I think you've had some fun with Ziggy also. I mean, you know, I mean, it is, I think it comes from a good place. I do. I really do. You know, and, and people call them hobby watchdogs and stuff like that. Everybody has their own way of trying to protect the hobby, you know? Um, so, that, you know, that, that, that I, I get what you're saying, Tom Bullard. And to the extent that people are, you know, trying to be watchdogs, call out the scammers, you name it. Great. You know, I and mean, you know what? Like, listen, and, and right here, Chris says, you know, I agree. The hanky panky must be called out. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like sweeping stuff under the rug and not being honest and, and, and sharing information. It just seemed, it just seems to me like, and I, again, I wasn't even thinking about sports card radio or HAI when, when you just mentioned them, I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about other stuff, people I couldn't even name. So (laughs) unless I like screenshot it to remember, I I, I really don't do. Um, So no, I think it's important that, especially for newcomers, understand you have to know that patch swapping exists. You have to know that trimming exists. You have to know that shilling exists. But let's 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 have some facts. Let's do some research before we just throw darts at people and brands without real. Only because you read something on Blowout, and I'm not saying the Blowout is is all wrong. Blowout has the Blowout Detective Agency does an extraordinary service for the hobby. But you have to take your source very seriously before you just do a video about something or put out a story post on Instagram or what have you. That's all I'm getting at. And again, oh, I'm sorry, AIH. Yeah, I'll have to check out AIH. Very. We've had him on a show. Bob's Big Boy says SCR does troll people on occasion. Love their content, though. Yeah, I saw I saw something that I, I, I didn't think was a great look for them. But but I think, you know, I'm a second chance guy too. And I think that uh, I, I've seen them provide value 
as well. So, and I also think that people learn as they go along and they might see that one thing might not have worked. So they're going to try and be better next time. And listen, I know you do that cage. I know I certainly do it. I'm not perfect. And if sports card radio or, or AIH or any other podcaster that we've mentioned today, isn't trying to always do better and be better, then that's a problem. But I think most of most people who are serious about their content want to always do better, be better, provide a better service to the hobby in the interest of the hobby lasting and just being an an ongoing concern. Fair? I couldn't have said it better myself, so I won't even try. Okay. Um, Hockey Hockey says, shots fired at because I'm Carlos. No, no, I don't, not at all. I'm not firing shots at anybody that I could actually name uh, right now. Honestly, I'm not. I, I'm just like more just the stuff that, uh, just the stuff that, that I see that is like silly. And, uh, but I can fire one shot at, at because I'm Carlos. Does he still do content? Because I don't even know if he's still doing content. But if he is, uh, good for him. John Wee says, we're scoping, we're scoping our adding other grading company to car transact we're scoping out oh i see so okay. john we is the ceo of center stage the shirt, shirt i'm wearing sponsors this episode and others says we're scoping out adding other grading company card transactions onto the center stage app soon that's awesome good job john can't wait to see it uh wiz poll says it's easy to be a watchdog in this space as long as it's coming from a place of honesty and not self-promotion it's necessary yeah I agree with that. Darren says, love how you guys, the content creators, all reference each other, brings credibility to yourselves in the hobby. Very nice. Thank you, Darren. And we're at the end of the comments for the first time. Woo! That is that is great. Um, we're, at, we're at an hour 57, Cage. I usually don't want to go over two hours. We could still go uh, go for quite a, a while more. I, there's, I, I still have four or five bullet points on my notes that we didn't even get to. Um, but maybe I will save them when yeah, I have. Yeah, I'll come back. On. Yeah, well, that's even better. Or I co- or we'll just you know you'll we'll come re- back to. I'll you'll come, come back, back when you're when you're in the friendly confines of your of your house and not my in an normal. Airbnb. That's you know my normal studio. Uh, Tom Bullard says I've definitely unsubscribed from both SCR and AIH in the past when it got old or to be too much. So I completely agree with y'all. Sorry, I interjected. I assumed I knew who you were talking about. Oh no, that's fine. But that's interesting because he says I've unsubbed from them in the past which makes me think he's resubbed to yeah. them right which is kind of cool mean, but that's kind of what you're talking about right i mean people are always changing you know i mean people will try some kind of you know trolling stuff out if it doesn't work if it doesn't land or they you know they evolve themselves you know they realize all right you know what maybe i'll get a little more adult with my 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 commentary you know you could be a hobby watchdog you know and and support it you know, hey, look at look look at look at what uh, what folks put out there about the you know the contenders ticket trimming stuff. Like that was real useful stuff, right? Like, you know, but you know some of the stuff that's out there, and not these guys that are being named. And you're right. I mean, you know, usually it's 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 an account that disappears. <laughs> so that's probably why you can't think of the name, right? Because it's you know that type of content, the hit pieces, they don't really last that long. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this I've had this conversation with card porn. You know, mix in some optimism, you know, with, you know, with the, with the, you know, with the attack stuff, but they do a good job also, you know, of, of any time that they're putting something out there, it's supported, right? If it's, if it's supported, it's, it's helpful to the hobby. So, yeah, stuff. I think, you know, I think one of the things that, that does get under my skin is personal attacks and attacks on, attacks on the integrity of people or brands 
when you just don't have the information that i think is is a it, it, it's it's a faux pas it's 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 something that i would just rather if that didn't happen i'd, I'd be a lot happier um even just as i'm scrolling through as i'm as i'm scrolling instagram or facebook groups or twitter and you just see things and and you know I don't know about you, Kate, or I, I somewhat know you talk to a lot of hobby insiders. I talk to a lot of hobby insiders myself. And so I feel like I probably have a, a few more facts and I have a, a better understanding of what's going on than, than your casual collector who doesn't interview, who hasn't interviewed over 200 people in the hobby as I have. And so when you are seeing certain content statements, claims, and you just know they're false, and then you see all the comments to them, uh, where people are like just just gang, you know, um, ganging on to those, uh, it's like, damn, like this is just a false narrative and, and it just kind of sucks. So, yeah, there, there's, uh, there's my comment. Uh, uh, there's my follow up <laughs> comment on that. <laughs> I like it. Um, okay. Hockey Hawks says Carlos has two weekly shows, his own and one with PSA Canada now. Oh, very cool. Wow. Oh, very cool. Good. Yeah. I listen, I, 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 I consume some hobby content. Some, I don't, I don't consume that hobby content. Uh, we have the power to choose what we want to, what we want to consume. And I think I expect everybody to, to do that. Uh, Bob's big boy says there's a fine line between educating collectors and trolling people. You have a personal issue with SCR dabbles in both worlds, but overall they're a value add to the space. Yeah. I agree with the first part of that 100%. And the second part, I don't consume all of Sports Card Radio's content, but I've seen I've seen the controversial ones for sure. And um, and I'll tell you, they bring some value. They definitely do. They definitely do. Uh, Chris C says, my favorite subscriptions are Baseball Card Collector Investor Dealer, Jeremy Cage, and Let's Talk Wax. Happy to and proud to be on that list, Chris C. And Francesco says, did Gary V unintentionally give the hobby the everlasting blueprint? can't even speak to that one i don't i don't know what what what, what we mean by that but uh cage man we're, we're we're over two hours we're gonna have to wrap this up my guy yeah man listen it's after midnight here it's already sunday yeah you got so. you got some research to do for your yeah, exactly for your tomorrow this was right? fun yeah this was this fun I mean, what not what not 11 a.m we do our nfl you know picks and plays last week including props i was 16 and 4 against the spread Good so for I, gotta, you, I gotta do my research and then we got collectible sunday's yeah. a fun day that's a that's a that's a great record. We'll right get there. back to your family. Enjoy the rest of your trip. Thank, thank you. you for having me on. Yeah, I know you bet, it. you bet, guy. And thank you to the chat, guys. Thank you all so much for uh, joining. Great questions, comments here. I just I got it. I just spotted this comment. Tom Bullard says, "I definitely am sub to both again. Second chances can be a good thing. I agree. Never have I unsubbed to either Jay Lee or Lucas though. Lucas though, proud of that. Thank you so much for that, uh, Tom." And always good to have you. Chris C says, yeah, we're, okay, guys, we're wrapping up. Get your final comments in so I can acknowledge them, read them uh, to Cage and myself. Thank you, Chris C. Manny Flores, Flores loves you. Go Ram, says Chris. Hockey Barn Collectibles, good to see you. Cage, thank you. Okay, chat, first of all, chat. Awesome comments, awesome questions. Thank you for joining, everybody. Thank you for putting up with my lack of my normal background. I am on vacation. This is an Airbnb with a foosball table over that shoulder right there. Cage, awesome show. Thank you again for joining. You hang tight right there. No collectible live tomorrow, everybody, as I will be observing the Jewish New Year. Thank you, Fowl Fireball. Appreciate that. Darren, thank you so much as well. And no after hours tonight, guys. Unfortunately, no after hours tonight, but I appreciate the ask. Um, what else can I tell you? I guess that is it. Have a great week ahead. 
Next weekend is the Industry Summit Card Show in Las Vegas. I will be there. I cannot wait. Thank you, Tom Bullard. And that is it. Cage, you hang tight right there. Everybody else, thank you once again. This episode is over. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.